What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and this week we were joined by our friend, Mr. David Vantelberg. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, he's back, and he and I had a fantastic conversation. You know, I've known Dave since middle school, practically my whole life, really, and he's just one of those people whom I love talking to, someone who I know that I can engage with intellectually and he's always someone I feel like I learn from. Our conversations are always edifying and I just really appreciate his point of view. He's a really thoughtful guy and I think that comes across in this conversation. You know, it's really interesting. I had Dave on earlier this year on a group podcast and the energy was so high in that podcast and we had so much fun. Uh, This one was a little bit different. You know, we've been through a whole lot. 2020 has been a bitch and Dave's been through a lot. And it was cool to get a chance to catch up to Dave and just see how his year's been going. One of the coolest things about this podcast is the fact that is the fact that years from now, all of this stuff will still exist and we can come back and listen to the conversations that we had and reminisce about where we were at that time in our lives and hopefully laugh about how foolish we were in our 30s. It's one of the coolest things about this whole process. You know, originally, in my mind, Just Friends was kind of just a practice, something I was going to do because I was interested in podcasting and I wanted to see what I could create. And I never really had any idea that it would grow to be what it is right now. Not that it's anything huge, but it's way bigger than I ever anticipated. And there's way more people listening than I ever thought possible. And I'm so grateful for that. And I appreciate you guys so much. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We just got a new review from a Mr. Shankster. I have a small inkling who that might be, but no matter who it is, I appreciate the kind words. If you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, that's cool too. You're listening on Google Podcasts, or maybe you're listening on Spotify. That's cool, but you can't leave a comment there, but what you can do is you can share the show. And if you don't know how to do that, I'll make it easy for you. Just send them over to justfriendspod.com. They can listen to any of the episodes that they want there. They're all available. And not only that, they can subscribe to the show on their favorite platform. It's as simple as clicking the button on that very first page. They can also find information about the show and about myself and about Orange Brick Studios, which is basically just my basement. There's opportunities to buy merch. I know I've said it before, but the three-quarter tee is hot. If you're interested, let me know. I can hook you up. And there are also links to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts, where if you're enjoying what I'm creating here at Just Friends, you can help support that by becoming a patron for as little as $5 a month. Hey man, maybe you only do it for one month. That's cool. I'm fine with that. There have been patrons come and go, and I love them all, and I appreciate them. I know it's not possible for everybody to pay me $5 a month in perpetuity, and that's fine. But any little thing helps and it's all greatly appreciated. Guys, I just want to let you know real fast before we jump into this that this is actually going to be the last episode of Just Friends that I released this year. So we got the holidays coming up, and Sarah and I are taking a trip to Asheville this weekend, and I think it just makes more sense to take a break through the holidays. Everybody's going to be busy anyway, and then get things rolling back again in the first of the year. I have a chance to stockpile some material which will be really beneficial to me because right now I'm just kind of going week by week just trying to grind stuff out Um, and I'd really like to get back ahead of the curb so I hope you guys will hang tight with us it's only going to be a couple of weeks we'll be right back the first Sunday in January ready to go and I hope everybody will still be there with us so 
I've talked now for about six minutes. After editing, it'll probably only be about three, but either way, I know everybody's sick and tired of listening to me talk. So, without further ado, I'm excited to present to you my conversation with our friend, the handsome and talented Mr. David Vantelberg. Van Tilberg? I don't either. Well, I think I do, but I, you know. Did you ever have one? Yeah, I think, um, I think back in like, uh, let's see, when, like 2010, like right when it started to become popular, like you after made high one school, right away. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know what to do. Just kind of just used it to follow like useless facts. And that was about it. When it started, it was just like, Dave is taking a shit. No, that was Facebook. That's what Facebook was? Yeah, Facebook Facebook was like, that was your status. It was like, yeah. Well, that's what, is. So my original interpretation of Twitter, and this is why I didn't eventually get in it, is it was just a status. Well, yeah, that, yeah, it's essentially just that. That's how it felt. It's just like a thought that you put out there, like right. you're putting something on the, it was like a more of a bulletin board. It was. Like a message board. And it kind of, st- I mean, that's yeah, really what it is. is. Yeah. I think that's the danger though, is you find people that just only think just like you. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the danger of all social media is finding yourself in an echo chamber. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird how Twitter hasn't really evolved. No. I mean, it looks different, but it functions almost the same way. Whereas when you think about Facebook. Oh, it's changed so much. I mean, it still functions basically the same now way. You have a marketplace. You have oh, uh, so much. groups, pages. Um, there's even like TV shows on Facebook that are actually like um, syndicated and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great place to go and just consume content. Yeah. I mean, that's what they wanted to be. They're vying for your attention. Yeah. They want you to stay on there as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, there was one day that somebody like tagged me in a video and I watched it and then immediately went to another video and it was like a whole TV show. It was like on the third season. Hmm. And it just had always been on, you know, Facebook. It had always been on Facebook. Yeah. And that's where it was. Huh. Just thought it was cool. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I've never seen that. Yeah. I remember noticing that it was changing when Farmtown became yeah. a huge Farmville? thing. Farmville, that's yeah. what it was, yeah. Yeah. And it was all of a sudden like, am I playing a game on Facebook? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it was like Mafia Wars or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Farmville. Um, dude, my farm, dude, my farm was legit. I will say the best farm that I've ever seen was my grandma who had a legit farm. She ran an empire. Let's just call it that. You know, she had multiple farms, mm. you know, ships. She had, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She would, you know, funnel stocks from one area to the next. <laughs> For real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she would support a farm that I was- I think so. That's amazing. I'm just making a lot of this up. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, what does but, she need a ship for on a farm? But I remember there being a ship and then be like transporting like supplies and stuff. That's crazy. Uh, you know, tons of cows, tons of cattle. I remember even then seeing it as what it was, yeah. which is a huge opportunity for me to waste my time. Yeah. For some reason, I'm really sensitive to that when it comes to like games. Like the moment I find myself in a game and I'm like, I would, I could progress faster, but there's things built into this that makes it take more time oh, yeah. and you have to, it's monetized. That's the way they monetize it. That's the moment I'm like, fuck this game. But I'll look at Reddit for five hours yeah. without even noticing the time's gone. I mean, I guess it's because they're not asking me to pay for it. Like you'll get little rewards for doing things or whatever. Yeah. I guess Reddit does the same thing with like upvotes and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're always wanting like a little bit more, more of it. And that's the big thing with me with games is I get super into it to where 
like a hundred percent buy into the whole gamification of it. And I like try to max out everything before I go to the next like level or whatever and spend forever on it. Dude, I remember when you were playing Lep's World. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing for me about that whole situation was you were playing Lep's World and then like three years later, and this was a long time ago too, yeah. but like three years later, I met this dude named Francis at work and he played a, a pin whistle <laughs> and I took a video of him playing a song and you're like, bro, that's a theme song to Lep's yeah. World. <laughs> <laughs> Lep's World was like a, a knockoff Mario on the iPhone and uh, I had like noticed that they only had like, I don't know. It was the only game I played forever. And I noticed that up in the right hand corner where you had the amount of lives you could have, there was only three number slots. And I wondered what would happen if I got more than 999 lives, extra lives. So for a, like a whole summer, all I would do is just play that game on my phone. And then I remember the day that it got to a thousand, it just moved over one extra digit. It just added <laughs> an extra digit. <laughs> it got to the point where I hated playing it so much. That's hilarious. But I would keep playing it. You know what game you got me playing? Archer Row. Oh, yeah. That's a good game. It's like the top down, like Archer. Yeah, that's a good one. I still play that game. Yeah, I still play it too. I like it because. I don't feel hindered by m- monetary yeah. like gaps. Yeah. It's really just how much am I willing to play the game? So that way, like I feel, I don't feel bad if I'm not moving forward yeah. at the rate I would like to. And the only reason that's stopping me is because I'm not willing to invest that much time in the game. That's fair. Yeah. But if it's like, you're like, I could be doing better, but I have to pay. That's a fucking. Yeah. That's where it gets annoying. Yeah. I wanted to play this game called Terra Genesis. Terra Genesis. Where you like, they give you a planet and then you Ooh. basically go through all of this process of trying to make it hospitable for an entire population. That's cool. But it was like, okay, you have to upgrade your, you know, oxygen filters. But click, it's like, click it or you could pay. Yes. Yeah. Click it and wait three hours and come back or. Yeah. Pay and have it now. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I've played this game for 30 seconds. I've now done all the things that I could afford to do and I can't do anything else for six hours. Yeah. Then I'm not going to come back to this game. And if it's not meeting my needs in that moment, it's fuck like, it. I'll go find another yeah. game that will. Yeah. So but I they can't. know that the one person who's like super into it's going to pay. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing with, what well, was there's like, a subreddit around this. So there's plenty of people playing. Oh yeah. Paying, so, which is crazy. If you think about it, like, if a game runs ads and it's like they get like, I don't know, pennies every time someone watches an ad, right? They get a thousand people to play it. But then you can also pay, you know, three bucks and you get ad free. Well, now they've made, you know, $3,000 just in an instant. Right. Right. And it's like, it makes sense. I yeah. understand it. You know, I don't know if we talked about this last time you were on the show, but something that always made me feel kind of left out. Mm-hmm. Not really left out, but I guess disconnected from our culture is I never really played games. Mm-hmm. Almost never. Yeah. It was, it's just something I didn't really super enjoy doing for some reason. I feel like we, the time when we grew up was like, really is when games started to come out. Like, I feel like, you know, they've, they've been around for a while, like Nintendo. But they were just Nintendo. Good. But like, then the Xbox came out or the GameCube and it's like, it became more widely, I guess. Or I guess, uh, honestly, the online part of it. That's really... Yeah, because... The, the cause, social Yeah, because it. it was like you could have like a Game Boy, but you would just play it when you weren't with your friends. But now you could play it with your friends... Exactly. ...anytime, and that's where kind of the difference, I think. And then you could talk to each other... Yeah. ...from your living rooms or from your bedroom even. Yeah. So it was like, 
I remember in middle school talking on the phone with my mm-hmm. friends. I'd call my friends and I'd yeah. talk to them on the phone for like Dude, an hour. Through a phone call. It's like now you just play a video game and you're all yeah. on there. Yeah. You want, you want to know what it was for me for real? It took me such a long time to figure out how to get good at anything. Yeah. That I was always coming into these games worse than my friends who had been yeah. playing them for a while. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm never going to get as good as them because I didn't know how. So like why I put in that? Yeah. Exactly. I didn't know how. So See, I, I just sucked and I just continued to suck. I remember playing uh, Dota with you guys one oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm even supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, that was such a hard game anyways. Yeah. Even if you put time into it, you still didn't know what to do. Because it was all strategy. Yeah. But yeah. you guys figured it out, right? Yeah, kind of. But like, but it was also, I kind of like, it's kind of like with the reasons why I hate golf is like, like if I was going to play golf right now, it wouldn't be as fun. Right. Because there's still some level of skill needed just to play them like the base. Like, like I could go like take a basketball and just throw it at like a hoop over and over and mm-hmm. still have like pretty good fun. Or like I could join a basketball game and I maybe won't probably shoot a lot of the shots, but I could still, you know, defend and pass around. But if I play golf, it's like depending on my skill level, the level of fun I'm going to have, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. I think. So like if I can't. It matters who you're putt, with. Yeah. So if I can't, well, like if you're, if you're. You get really competitive. If you and I went and played golf right now, I think we'd have a blast. Yeah. Because neither of us would give a fuck. (laughs) And it would just be what we're doing while we're hanging out. If it was someone that I wanted to be competitive against, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the fact that I haven't practiced, you know, (laughs) would play into it. Mm -hmm. And then like to get back up to where I could be competitive, you'd have to put in so much practice. You want to know something that I felt playing golf? Because no matter what, golf is always, and I, I love doing it. Yeah. But for me, it's always what I'm doing while I'm hanging out with the person that I'm yeah. golfing with. And sometimes, especially with dudes, they'll, that you're inviting a person who's going to be competitive against you because yeah. you want to have that edge mm-hmm. as you're playing because it makes you better. Yeah. So people don't invite me to play golf with them because <laughs> they know like yeah. Mitch isn't going to, Mitch is just going to come here and suck. Yeah. <laughs> and because I don't worse. push them to play good, they play worse. Yeah. And it just, nobody feels good at the, because they actually give a fuck. Yeah. At the end of it, they care if they play bad, whereas I don't give a it's like they're sitting there trying to make a a putt and and focusing so much on it, and then you just show up and just like, look how beautiful that tree is. That tree <laughs> is beautiful. Look at the yeah. sunset. How have you been? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about uh, disc golf. I've really gotten to that recently. I loved. I, I you know I got pretty decent in disc golf yeah. for a little while. Well, we were playing that one summer. Yeah, we played a ton. So much. Yeah, I remember one time you and I went. And we played, gosh, it was at least 36 holes, maybe, probably Yeah, more. it was a couple of times around. I think yeah. we went three times around. Yeah. Well, it's because, like, to me, it's, like, the, the good parts of, like, hiking, but you're doing something to where you don't pay attention to it. Like, if I go for a long hike, there's a point where I'm, like, okay, this is, like, this is getting tough, and then I have to focus on it. But if I go with disc golf and you do, like, the same, like, I feel like, if you did some of the same terrain, you wouldn't focus on it much because you're thinking about what you have to do on the you next row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if we, if we walked 36 holes, yeah, we walked eight to 10 miles. Yeah, easily. Yeah. You know? So, especially chasing after Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Going back and forth, left and right. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Phil Smith. Hell yeah. Who I saw throw backwards on a drive. It hit a tree like immediately and went behind him. Did it? Re- oh, it did. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if I'm going to do a big, long hike, I want it. There better be something fucking beautiful at the end. Of it. Yeah. And a, a lot view. of times there had, I mean, like a lot yeah. of the best hikes I've been on, it's like, I would have hiked two days to see this. Yeah. You know, it's like when, when we did, Sarah and I did, I've talked about this before, but we did Indian staircase and we did mm-hmm. cloud splitter at, uh, uh, Red River Gorge. And yeah. I was like, this is amazing. We didn't have to walk very far at all to get to this. This yeah. is great. It's like four miles. Like what the fuck? But it's difficult, right? It was, yeah. it was tough. Indian staircase is crazy. I'll never do that. <laughs> really? Oh my God. I loved it. It was, it was just the right amount of scary and hard for me. Yeah. Because it really is tough. Yeah. I mean, there, it's not when you, when you're standing. So, so when we did Indian staircase, we hiked to it, then climbed up it and then hiked around. Mm-hmm. So some people will just hike to it, climb up it, and then climb back down. I can't even imagine no. going down. You would, I would have to slide down the whole way on my butt. I'd have a hole in yeah. my jeans or whatever pants I was wearing. But when you come around, you look across this big like ravine at what you just climbed. Yeah. And it looks vertical. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I've seen pictures of it and that's, yeah, that's how I feel. When you're on it, it doesn't feel quite so vertical. Yeah. And you can see the top and it feels not just high, yeah. but also kind of far away. And there's places you can stand straight up, but it's like being on a roof. You know, yeah, if you've ever been you. on a roof yeah, and it's yeah. just like, this is just, this but is just If you were to like lean back too far, you'd you fall. Would, yeah. Or if you were to slip and fall, you're yeah. rolling off. Yeah. That's how you feel. So keeping your body weight low feels important. Yeah. Right. Where you're like bending at the heels yeah. and the knees, trying to keep low. Yeah. And then there was a couple of places and there's a lot of times where you're crawling hand, hand and foot the yeah. whole way for maybe Screw like 200 that. yards. Yeah. And then th- there was a couple of places where it's like the rock that you have to climb up is like four feet tall. It's like chest level. So like yeah. I can look over top of it and see, but you got to climb it and it's hard. And it's like, yeah. if you fall, <laughs> you're going to get hurt. hurt yeah. yeah. You're going to be hurt. Yeah. So, uh, we were, we were there with like one of Sarah's friends, a couple of Sarah's friends, actually one of the girls was single and the other person was there with her boyfriend. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to climb up this fucking rock. <laughs> to a show up. I ain't going to be no bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but it was perfect. It was just, it was scary enough to where I was frightened the whole time I was doing it, but I was like, I'm definitely going to do it. And then I got yeah. it done and I felt really proud and accomplished yeah. of myself. No, it does like that level of like, oh, I just did that. Feels amazing. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you do that and then the the view is not worth it. Like um, Adam, Braun and I, we did... uh. What's it called? Is it, is it Chimney Rock? There's a chi- yeah, there's Chimney Rock. Yeah, in River Gorge. And we hiked the day before like 10 miles. You guys were backpacking though for yeah. like multiple days yeah. too, yeah. And we hiked like 10 miles. It took us like, I don't know, I don't remember how many hours, but it was like the same amount of hours that it took us to hike the 10 miles. The next morning, it took us to hike up to this Chimney Rock. <laughs> and it was like, it wasn't even worth it. It was only like, you know, four miles or something like that. Something crazy. Like most of the time you're going like, you know, like the, the kickbacks or whatever. So I hate switchbacks. Like, yeah, yeah. switchbacks. So you're doing like <sighs> 10, 15 feet and then switch back over and over and over. And it took us like an hour just to go a mile at one point. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the top and it's just like a parking lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> it sucks. You could have just driven there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is actually kind of true about a lot of the, yeah. the attractions at Red River Gorge. It's like yeah. there are trails that lead to Natural Bridge. Or you could just drive yeah. and park like a mile away yeah. from it. 
go to the other side of the park and, exactly. then, park and then walk in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there were so many times that we would, I remember it was uh, Adam Braun, then Matt Smith and me, we, we went out, we got down there at like, I think eight or nine o'clock at night. And so it was already dark and we were walking around looking for a place to camp for the night and everything was taken. So we ended up like camping in a parking lot. So the next day we drove our cars, like we drove one of the cars all the way to the other side. We were going to, uh, we were going to do the whole like rough trail and all that. Shout out to we trace. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was going to be like a 12 to 14 mile hike, I think that day. And, um, and we, we, we packed all this food, had all of our gear and we hiked, you know, this 12, 14 miles. And it's like, by the end, by the time we're just like done, we're like just ready to like sleep. And we start setting up camp and it's very obvious that there's like a fraternity about to have like a, a camp out like right next to us. And like, they're like, as we're like setting up our stuff to sleep, they're like getting all like their alcohol and like weed and stuff out. And we're like, okay, this isn't going to work. So we hike the, the one more mile to our car. Cause we hiked about one more mile from like a parking lot and we just decided to hike that at like, you know, eight o'clock at night. And then we stopped by subway. So all the stuff that we brought with us, we didn't even need like the 30 pounds of gear each for us. That's hilarious. Yeah. That sucks too. Yeah. Carrying gear is the worst yeah. part. Well, you get a good backpack. You don't feel it. Like you still feel that on it's your the, waist. Like, yeah. It's just like, it's dispersed between your shoulders and your waist. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how much that makes a difference. I remember. Matt on that same trip just kept, cause I just gave him a regular backpack. I had a regular backpack. He just needed something to keep food in. And we, we split up the rest of the gear between Adam and I, cause we had like nicer, like, hiking like actual backpacks. backpacks. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the whole time we're going up this, uh, like, I don't know, it's part of the rough trail. We're going up, going up through these, like these knobs and everything. And Matt's just like, Oh, this backpack's so heavy. Your guys stuff is so light. Cause we weren't complaining about it. Like the weight in ours. And, uh, and I was like, well, do you want to switch? He was like, yeah. And we switched and my, like the backpack he had was like one third the weight that mine was, but because it was dispersed wrong, it yeah. felt like over time it felt heavier on your shoulders. But when I put it on, it felt so light. And then yeah. you put mine on it, like it's like sank down a little bit. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's funny for me to hear you say that Matt was complaining because <laughs> that does not feel like a Matt Smith no, move to me at all. It's not. And really he wasn't like. It wasn't like he was complaining like the whole time we were walking. He was pointing it out to you guys. He was, he was just like, like, you guys got it easier yeah. than me. Yeah. <laughs> this is harder for me, just so y'all know. <laughs> we called it out. <laughs> Man, he's somebody that I love so much and I never see him ever. Do you he's ever see so him? Busy. You know, he's I so busy. I know. He's got to be. Man, he's had those babies. He had babies one of the first out of the group. Yeah. Like, he had a kid. Yeah, they're growing up. Uh, his son Paxton's having a birthday soon. Yeah. Yeah. Elena is the cutest ever. Yeah. He's got adorable kids. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those guys that I think of as like really high integrity, just a really genuinely yeah. good, really good person. Guy. Yeah. You know that, it, you know, your friends, you know that he's there for you. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. That's what I appreciate about him so much. And he came to my house not too long ago and we've, we've grown apart, not just in like actual distance in our relationship, but also just in, I think like our ideologies and the, what we think about the world and, and the behaviors that we choose to engage in and stuff yeah. like that. But that's one of the coolest things about being an adult is how little those things really yeah. matter. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I, I like him. I know his character and I know that he's a good person. So he's just a genuinely good person. Yeah, he's just a good person. I never say it to his face, but he's a good person. Yeah. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he's a cock. 
<laughs> I don't ever see Adam Braun either. I never see them. But I was never yeah. super close to him before or Jacob Roney. You were way closer to both of those guys than I ever yeah. was. Primarily just manipulation. Just, you know, blackmailing them. Yeah. You want what closer. they have. Yeah. 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 Really, it was it was probably games, wasn't it? You guys used to play lots of games. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Games. Well, Jacob Roney and I go back to, you know, the days of King Elementary <clears throat> down on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Damn. You know, what, running what, the Pokemon leagues. How did you end up going to King Elementary? It was advanced placement. Oh, you were in an advanced uh, yeah, program, and that's yeah. why that makes sense. Yeah, it was the last year that they did a Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the Devil Sticks, which are uh, it's like a juggling type of sticks. It's basically like two, got two like handles, and then you got like one like baton in the middle. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the day that they had tryouts, I forgot mine, which was you know heartbreaking to you know a juggler when you forget your own sticks, and then uh. I had to use the one at school and they were just, they were so janky. They were like dowels with like electrical tape and tennis balls. And, you know, I just wasn't ready for that, you know? Yeah. So you gotta get so accustomed to a level of, you know, greatness. Mm-hmm. And then Jacob Roney just went and stole the show. He Did was, he really? Yeah. He was, he was on the, he was on the juggling team and, you know, and I wasn't. So really just my whole life has just been following his success. One of the only times I hung out with, with Jacob and Adam in, was in high school mm, at Hooters. <laughs> yeah, and I used to hang out with them at Hooters because of Chris Young. Yeah, and they tried to convince me to. They told me that they would pay me a hundred bucks if I got a <laughs> yeah. dick tattooed on my bottom lip. Yeah, I thought I was really considering that shit. Yeah, they're like it. It doesn't even. It's, they're not even permanent. They go away. <laughs> and I know a chick who thought that same exact thing. Oh no! And she got like slut or something like that oh, tattooed no. on her bottom lip and she's a mom now and her bottom lip still says slut if you flip it out. I guess out. the good thing is most people won't see it. It's, a, it's on your yeah. inside lip. She's just got to be careful not to smile too big yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would suck. How, how's he doing? How's How are those guys doing? Oh, they're all doing great. That's good. They're all doing real good. Adam Braun's out in Eastern Kentucky doing his own thing with technology and Yeah, he was telling hmm. me about it. He works for a company that they use drones with cameras to like map out train tracks or something like that. So right? like, I think a lot of what the company was, is it was the communication between drones and like setting up like these, uh, networks basically. So that drones could talk to each other. Yeah. And it was also, they were doing some cool stuff with like the NFL with like the communications yeah. and, and everything else like that. There was one cool thing. I don't know who this could all be top secret, <laughs> 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 but it was like, you know, if you go into an area, and uh like a city right and they needed to put out like a um like a network for communication like instead of using like almost if like you needed to quickly put up telephone lines over a city they had a thing where they could do with like cops could go out and put these drones essentially in certain areas and they would fly up to a certain elevation they'd essentially be like radio towers oh that makes sense kind of like what they're doing with internet in like africa yeah 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 that's pretty cool I think it would also use for like the military and stuff where they could, you know, go into an area and have, you know, like a telephone line somewhere. Immediately. Yeah. That makes sense. That's perfect. That's a really good reason to use stuff like that. Probably also spying on Americans. Yeah. A lot of spying on Americans. Yeah. Everybody's doing that though now. Every country, even America. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss those guys. Those guys, uh, good dudes. Which actually the Hooters makes me think of the time we got really into um, Command and Conquer in high school. Really? How does Hooters make you think of that? Because we would go immediately to Hooters from, well, from some, school. Yeah, on Wednesdays. We would we would spend from about, actually about fifth period, whenever we, whenever we went to sixth period, 
all the way until about six o'clock at night up at school playing uh, Command and Conquer. That was weird that we did that. Yeah. It was really great. You know who that makes me think of is Hugh Lee. Yeah. And I haven't talked to Hugh in a long time. I know. Since high school. Yeah. Really? I've ran into him one time at Starbucks when I was working at Starbucks. Uh He travels a lot. He goes back to Vietnam. Yeah. And spends time over there a lot. And uh, he wrote me a while back. He had a really difficult experience where... And Chris Young actually told me about this, having similar experiences because he travels in similar Mm -hmm. areas where it's like you go to this place and you'll encounter this person and like you could change their life by just giving them like 200 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like 200 bucks. You give it to them and they're set for like the next two years, you know? And he was like, he would see these children who are like homeless and he was like, I could help them. But like, then I'd walk, turn a corner and there'd be another child. Like, do I help them? Like, where do you stop? And it was really cool to, it's been really cool, especially in the process of making this podcast and like reaching out to people that I haven't talked to a lot, Mm -hmm. like seeing how people grow into like super empathetic and awesome adults that are so different from the child that you knew. Not to say that Hugh was unempathetic. Hugh used to like steal $200 from kids. (laughs) (laughs) He saw a homeless person like, hey, those shoes look good. (laughs) But it's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird how. I value that relationship with yeah. Hugh Lee. Haven't seen him in like 12 years. And I don't know. It's weird how those, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's like those relationships persist and yeah. it's just something about being friends when you were younger. Yeah. Something about that. Just carries over. It does. It's weird. It's like automatically you're like, you're a part of this group, even if you weren't really ever just yeah. because you, because the friends so you make as an adult are yeah. different. Yeah. Friends you make as an adult are different. Yeah. They don't know you. They don't know you. They know the you that you've let them see. Yeah. But when, you, when you've known somebody since a child, there's, we talk, I talked about this with Ben Edwards too. There's context for that growth. You really see how they've overcome challenges. And it's just been really cool. I know that Chris Young's back in, in Lexington right now for the yeah. holidays. So I need to try to get his ass back in this. Yeah, I need, to, I need to talk to him. Actually, I talked to him a few weeks ago. And uh, I need to reach back out to him. Motherfucker is he's yoked. Only, he's only like a, an hour away now. Right, it's Lexington. Yeah. He's yoked. Yeah. He it, is fucking- It's on Instagram. Dude. Yeah. Uh, and I know I known that he had, like, he had gotten to that place before. Yeah. Because I follow him on Instagram too. But last time he was on, he was talking about how like he was in a little bit of a lull and he had let himself get a little bit chubby again. Yeah. And he was like, he was talking about how he was kind of back on the path out of that. And damn. Really? Oh, I saw that Instagram. I mean, like yeah, he's skinny. Weights, yeah. He's always been skinny. Um, and like he doesn't have the mass like in his lower body, but that's like normal. It's hard to put that. I feel like you only get huge thighs and calves like me when you're fat as fuck already in your whole life. You've just been carrying your fat ass around. Day, yeah. But his upper body, he like, God damn. He's huge. He's big. Yeah. That, that work. Fuck, I don't want to do that for some reason. I'm, I'm dude, I'm <laughs> so out of shape. to go out and deadlift something. I don't even want to lose weight. Like, I would like to lose weight. I would like to get less fat. Yeah. But more than get less fat, I want to put muscle mass on. I'm so weak yeah. compared to how I used to be when I was young. And it was because I lost weight. Yeah. Like, I'd, I got super duper strong when I was like like 25, dude. I was yeah. like a fucking Well, then beast. you like, if like sometimes you change- it's like, it's sometimes, you know, probably for some people, but for me at least, it's hard to try to get stronger while you're losing weight. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't know if that's just, I'm doing it wrong or no, whatever. No, that's normal, yeah, I think. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of like, now I was talking to Sarah. She was like, you need to get back into like a workout regimen. Like, let's go run. Cause we yeah, were running for a running. long time. Well, you were running. I know though. you got really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. But then I was like, then one day I, uh, I took a bike. <laughs> I was like, fuck running. <laughs> I did get good at it. Yeah. I was, I was running far. Yeah. Like five miles. It sucked the whole time. I hated it the yeah. whole time. Uh, but I tell you what, dude, that was back in a time in my life where I had less stress coming from other areas of my yeah. life. So I was willing to take on all the extra stress that came from running yeah. five miles, like spending an hour just sucking, like my whole life sucking. I tell you, I got really into riding long distance on a bike. Really? Then. And yeah, I would, I would go like three or four times a week and, and ride 20 miles. And it was like. It was, it was cool because down, um, I'd go from Farnsley Mormon mm. all the way down to lg &E and like Shively mm -hmm. and then back. And like, by the time you got to lg &E, it was like, you're already tired. Mm -hmm. And then you knew you had to go back. And it was like something <laughs> gratifying about like riding the way back and being able to track your progress. And then once you finally get there, it's like, oh, I made it. Oh, and dude, there'd be times, better. there'd be times when I'd be running and like, usually, I usually, I would do... I'd do about four miles. I'd run from, uh, from the bo Greenwood Boat Docks past Mike Lennig's mm -hmm. and then I'd turn around and come back. Yeah. And there'd be sometimes on the way back where I'd be just like yeah. going, I'd be, tr and then a song would come on and then you'd push. And, then, and I'd push, I'd start crying. Yeah. I'd be sitting there running, listening to this song, just like so full of the energy that I was coming from. Yeah. And like, I was just grinding it out and I didn't know where this energy was coming from. And I didn't know how long I could keep this just, up. And I'd just be weeping, just like openly bawling. Yeah. It's like working out the emotions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it will, and I don't know. It was just, it was, it was definitely a meditation. It was definitely something I appreciated, but I've never been able to get back to that. I think it's like, yeah, it's like the mind body connection people talk about of like and i feel the same way sometimes when i go on hikes like i go on hikes alone and they're tough and then i'll literally just talk out loud to myself but it's like a form of like meditation or like almost like therapy where it's like you're able to take thoughts from your subconscious or like feelings from your subconscious and make them conscious and mm -hmm. like speak them out and then be able to hear like and, you, and then you can like work on it from there it's like yeah I don't know what you mean about the song. Yeah, it'll get you right. Like a good DMX song. Oh, on, man. Uh, running extra 10 <laughs> feet. <laughs> Barriers, I run right through them. Use to them. I'm like, God damn, I gotta go. I gotta go. Well, mine was, where the where is the hood at? <laughs> and that's, that's upbeat, too, yeah. man. You gotta be pounding yeah. it out to yeah. get that. Damn. <laughs> Dude, speaking of like, the, speaking of that, though. And this might, you might've actually had this experience recently because it's just some of the things that you've gone through. Mm -hmm. But when was the last time you had like a good solid cry? Mm, I mean, pretty recently, but I can think of like times before that. And it would always be just, it always just felt something random of like, um, I don't know, just random thoughts or, or like emotions come up and then you just like let it happen. It's some kind of a, like you're watching a a, a, dog, a sad dog video or something like that. <laughs> like a cat's Toy being Story abused. Three, I think. 
Dude, Toy Stories though, they'll yeah, get I mean, you. Those Pixar movies, they'll get you. Oh every my time. dude, the Pixar movies but always yeah, get like, me. I remember even down in when I went to Epcot and they have that like little animation studio, and you go in there and watch like the newest like short films. Dude, the shorts. Yeah, the and Pixar those, shorts, yeah, dude. They're so good, but that one of them, like I don't know, maybe tear up, and it's just like I don't know what it is. I've been wanting a good cry. Yeah, and I just haven't hit that rock bottom. That solid rock bottom. You just got to find that music or that it's video not, that just starts it and then you just got to go with it. Just let it happen. Yeah. What is it about being an adult that makes it harder to cry? I never had a problem. I think it's just that, that perception of you like, think so? it's like, I wonder if it's like, this is me just thinking, but I wonder if it's like, you know, the high idea of if you're crying, it means that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could just be sad. Yeah. You know? Or it could be like a, a something sad that you've carried with you for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like you just, because I feel like no matter what, you know, if you have a thought or a feeling, if you just suppress it, it's just going to come back up later. Oh, yeah. And so I think a lot of times as um, a kid or, you know, a teenager, especially being a teenager, like middle school and high school, you don't want to cry. You don't want to be the one crying in class. Oh, yeah. But it's like. I mean, it still needs to happen at some point. And I think it just gets so repressed that when you become an adult, it's like, you know, and then there's also that vulnerability. A lot of people don't want to like see that in another person. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to show that side of you to somebody, you know? Well, it's not even for me. Like I would cry by myself in my room. Yeah. But I think it is that vulnerability. I think it's that like, as an adult, you become more callous to the ways of the world. You let go of some of those, the naive thoughts of a child. And you realize that like, like I was just thinking about it the other day. I was like, there are people who are in charge of our country who are fucking morons. And they probably don't even know like what like two factor authentication is. And they're some of the most powerful human beings on the planet. And that's just fucking not fair. And that's just the world that we live in. And like, there are people who are total, there's people like OJ Simpson who straight up decapitated yeah. two human beings. And he's just on like, Twi- Hey, Twitter world, yeah. you know, it's yours truly living laughing. his best life. I was laughing to you crying at two factor authentication. <laughs> Whoa, Facebook. Dude, I do actually fucking hate two factor authentication. <laughs> it's like, why, why do I need to have a two factor? My Facebook is not that. And then also people still like dumb people's Facebook passwords. All yeah. That's why. That's why they have yeah. that. It's because of that. But no, it's like the world is so unfair and so bullshit. And mm-hmm. like you, it get, comes down to it and you got a person like OJ Simpson, who's a straight up murderer. And also like s- such a high, such a sociopath that like he doesn't even care or even try to hide it. Yeah. And he's out there like balling outrageous with millions of dollars all based off of just a little bit of athletic ability yeah and the the fact that that's so unfair like when i was a kid i never would accept it that i'd be like no it's he's gonna get his and then if you're a bad person bad things happen and if you're no. a good person but that's not reality no. that's not reality Somet- like sometimes like things just aren't gonna go at all the other way and sometimes you just sometimes people just die yeah you know like when i started to think about we were talking about ancient humans earlier sometimes you just Sometimes you, you get bit by a spider and your yeah. fucking arm falls off. Oh, even like, you know, 50 years ago before like the really like surge of antibiotics. Oh yeah. You could just walk by, scratch something on something rusty and then die from it. Oh, for sure. I mean, that kind of takes us back to like COVID a little bit when you talk about like the, yeah. the last time we were in a huge pandemic like yeah. this. 
so, I mean, lots of people are passing away from COVID, yeah. especially right now. I think like I've seen posts that would suggest that COVID deaths are some of the, of the leading causes of the loss of American lives. Yeah. It's like a 9-11 every day. Yeah. And it's, well, like I think about it, like our, like right now, I think it's like 3,000 a day. Yeah. And if you think about that, it's like a high school every day. Yeah. Like in. And for some reason, I can't cry about it. Like I want, I really do want to have, but I think it's just getting used to. Yeah. It's the desensitization. I, I have, I have these walls and these barriers that I've put in place that have to be there just in order to, to survive on a day to day basis and letting those down and letting myself be vulnerable in that way. Mm-hmm. The moment I feel a good cry coming on, I instinctually put those barriers up yeah. and, and crush it back down. And I, I need to work on trying, cause I'm not the type of person who would feel any type of conflict about crying. Yeah. I w- it wouldn't challenge my own view of myself and whatsoever. In fact, I, I was probably like, fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. I needed that. Yeah. But I tell you what, man, 2020, I need a good cry over 2020 for sure. Yeah. It's definitely been difficult because there's no, there's no like healthy outlet mm-hmm. other than, well, I mean, there's healthy outlets, but it's like, you know, for me, one of the biggest things that helped me deal with things is getting out in public. And like, I remember some of the first times that I really ever started uh, traveling, you know, I, f- I think I flew into like LaGuardia airport mm-hmm. in like New York. And I was thinking like, you know, there's some, some of these people have never left their borough and they've never like that. That's their whole life. They'll, they'll be born and they'll die in that borough. But that whole life is like so com- complex. And there was also like a, um, this like reminds me of this one thing I heard somebody break down the word Sonder. And it's like passing someone on the street and this random person you'll never see again has a life that is just as complex as yours. Mm-hmm. With like the same amount of problems, same amount of like people. And, and it's, and, and you, you multiply that by, you know, 7 billion people in the world. So flying into LaGuardia and seeing this borough, I was like, you know, here I am worried about some of these like smaller problems, but like it's going on everywhere. It's like, mm-hmm. there's, everyone's facing it. Everyone's having like these difficulties, but being able to get out, and be amongst these people and like just enjoy life. Like there's some comfort in that. And I think it's one of the hardest things with 2020 is you can't do that right now. I mean, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I totally understand. (laughs) And also there's something, and this kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier about social media. It's like you can have a full, complex, fulfilled life without ever leaving your borough. And in fact, mm-hmm. that was the reality of most humans for a super yeah. long time. You were in your tribe, you'd stumble upon other tribes, but they might try to kill you. So yeah. you probably didn't want to stay away too you knew, much. Yeah. You knew where they were and they knew where you were and you'd stay away. Exactly. And you know, that kind of is the reason why we deal with some of the challenges that we deal with now as a species, but it's not uncommon. And so like, I look at my life now and it's fucking dope. I've got great friends. Mm-hmm. I've got, a, a wonderful home and I've got this, this awesome outlet that is my podcast and I've been privileged enough to have a good education and to be aware of, to be aware in a way that not every human being has not, not to say that yeah. like there aren't other people who are functioning at a way higher level than me also, but I'm privileged in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that the fact that I struggle to find joy in the fact that 
I've kind of lived in the south end of Louisville my whole life. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't have been something that, you know, my parents or grandparents would have ever had to experience because they wouldn't have known any different. Yeah. I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing sometimes. Because I feel like some, because you know, that whole, that we talked, I talked about this with Ben Edwards too, that whole, that quote, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. The ability to see what everybody else has going on makes you sad if what you're experiencing yeah. isn't living up to what they're experiencing. And I think it's, that's also like some of the, where some of the dread can come is like, you know, if, if you're just focusing on where you're at, you know, South end of Louisville, but then you hear about like, you know, a murder or like something like disaster or something on the West coast. Yeah. It has to do with like America, but it's like, it doesn't really affect you. Like it doesn't affect you personally mm -hmm. unless you like have family out there or something, but it's like, and so if you look at, you know, early civilization or even like 300 years ago, those people wouldn't know what's happening on the other side of the world. But now we get all that information because everybody's like the headlines. So you get all this information and it's like, it's almost like so much, like you're getting so much information about everything else going on that you start to think, you know, what's going on here or mm -hmm. what's not going on here. I remember when I started at um, working at the hospital and I heard everyone talk about these restaurants in Louisville and we'd ever only ever gone to like restaurants out here in the South end. Mm -hmm. Chains. Yeah. And I was, and they were like talking to these restaurants like they knew and they're like, no, they've been around for, you know, 30 years. And it was like, and to that point, it didn't matter that it had only gone to chain restaurants. But then when I learned that there was something else, it was like, well, I'm missing out. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like trying to go as many as I could. FOMO, baby. Yeah. Got that fear of missing out. Yeah. I definitely experienced that. And COVID, I think, has exacerbated that a yeah. little bit, being cooped up. And then also, I mean, obviously, Sarah and I, when, by the time this comes out, it'll have been like three weeks, but we just got over her having COVID. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I never had any symptoms at all, but I just yeah. wanted to be responsible. So uh, her, she had her tests like two weeks ago. So she's back at work now. And, uh, but we completely isolated. We yeah. didn't see anybody for two weeks. I mean, our parents dropped off food at our, our door. We talked to them through the glass. Yeah. But I mean, we went for walks and stuff like that, but we were totally and completely isolated. Yeah. And honestly, she, she thrived for real. Like <laughs> she was like sweet, <laughs> but she was sick. So she yeah. was like legit sick. Uh, well, for me, there's always been something, you know, uh, when people started talking about, you know, Amazon coming out with their own grocery store or like a lot of restaurants doing like tablets instead of like a person, mm -hmm. it's like, I, I kind of, you know, I was kind of thinking like, That'll never happen because there's always that social factor that people want. I think that's the biggest thing I miss of like, you know, going to the same like barber, getting to like talk to, talk to my buddy Keegan mm -hmm. out there at, uh, I think it's like Fair, or, uh, Fern Creek Barbershop, shout mm -hmm. out. Nice. But, uh, you know, going out, talking to them, going to the grocery store, talking to the same people, um, you know, doing all these things that you're like used to that become like, I don't know, habitual or like a, like your routine. Mm-hmm seeing the same people and it's like you it's like a sense of community right but when you can't do that it's like it's just you and and you know i think that's where the importance of like having like hobbies and all these other things come in but it's like you miss that social factor of for it. sure yeah and even hobbies don't because i'm a person who has a lot of hobbies yeah one thing that i've noticed about my hobbies that is that's been a challenge is not a lot of them involve 
being super physical or being outside, mm-hmm. a lot of them involve sitting in front of a computer screen. Yeah. Which is cool because- It'd be so easy if they were outside. Everything would be easier in life. Well, no, it would just, it would, I would have more of an excuse to be outside. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and to reap the benefits of like a su- beautiful sunny day. Yeah. Um, oh, but, but, you know, and like, like I said, though, I'm a dude that has a lot of hobbies. Yeah. But even when I'm engaging like in a, in a hobby, so for example, when Sarah went to, uh, uh, Argentina a few years back, she was gone for 21 days. Yeah. I spent the whole time, I threw myself like head first into all of these, uh, like home improvement projects. Yeah. Uh, I painted the house. I put up uh, crown molding. Uh, I painted like three rooms. Um, I redid, I put up a backsplash in our kitchen, all this stuff. And like, I was busy the whole time, Yeah, but it didn't make me any less depressed and it didn't make me any less lonely. It was just what I was doing. It's like a distraction. To distract myself from how I was feeling. Yeah. And that's also kind of how I felt during this pandemic. And that's also, it's been a little bit discouraging because like there have been times where I'm like, oh, I could, I could spend some extra time like writing a really thoughtful intro for this episode yeah and then i'm like i'm just trying to just to distract myself from the fact that i'm lonely yeah and then i and this is the worst part about it and then i'd still do just that but with something less constructive yeah like reddit (laughs) yeah or porn (laughs) but i also think sometimes like your thoughts also like betray you sometimes and it's like sometimes what you think isn't what you are actually feeling it's what you think you need to Based yeah. off of previous patterns yeah, of behavior. Yeah, based off previous or, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's sometimes where, that's why I love to go for a hike and just think things out. Because you can like, I don't know, it's therapy. I like to talk about it, you know? Yeah. And that, but I feel the same way, the distractions, but that it's only distracts you for so long. Right. And then it comes back. And not only that, it comes back and you haven't fucking dealt with it. Yeah. And more time has passed, so there's more stress. Yeah. But whatever, I've I've definitely... Worked way more than I've wanted to work over COVID. I've definitely been guilty of throwing myself into hobbies mm-hmm. and neglecting other areas of my life that definitely need attention. So I haven't gained any weight, but I, I'm fatter. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I've Your body composition. My body thing. composition has gotten worse. Yeah. So that's, that is dramatic for me especially now yeah in my 30s like i'm really starting to be cognizant of my age and yeah. of my mortality have you thought about that much recently uh, has it really settled in that you're gonna die i mean i've always been okay with that um but definitely like the like the resiliency i guess of like as a person you know like like before i feel like you know when you're a teenager or like you know, early twenties, it's like, you can just, you can bounce back so quick Mm -hmm. of like any type of injury or any type of like, even just like mental health. It's like, but now it it takes effort or not necessarily it didn't take effort before. It's just like, it takes more of a conscious action towards something. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, now you wake up and you got neck pain. You know, or like right. back pain or like yeah. pull a muscle and it's like that for a week. It's like, yeah. it's like before you just brush it off and now yeah. it's like, okay, this is probably 
an underlying issue I probably need to address before it gets too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that statement is when I think about my mental health, mm-hmm. I feel like that's actually a place where I've really improved. Yeah. I feel like the majority of my life I was depressed. Yeah. And I didn't realize it. And then I finally got out of that depression about the time that I lost a lot of weight. I was really, but now I've fallen into a pattern. I think I'm manic depressive. My mm. dad was, my dad was what they call bipolar. Yeah. I definitely have states of, where I'm manic Yeah, and I have tons of energy and I will get shit done. And when I say I will get shit done, I will get a lot of shit done. Yeah. I, I can be very productive when I need to be. And then I'll go through phases where I'm really, really down. And what's changed about that in my adult life is the phases are shorter. Mm. So rather than being depressed for two months and then being manic for a week and then being depressed for six months and then being manic for two weeks, yeah, I will be depressed for like three days and then I'll have a great, a really great day or two. Yeah. And then I'll be down for like a week and then I'll have a great like day or two. Yeah. Can you feel it coming on? uh, Yes. It almost feels like a winding down of that manic behavior. Like I've exhausted all of that manic behavior, all that manic energy that just like drove me to just produce, produce, produce Mm -hmm. is gone. And I don't feel, and all of a sudden, all these things that I was engaging in before because I just wanted to suddenly feel like a chore. Gotcha. Yeah. It go, it stops being something that I just, I, I want to do this. Go mm-hmm. leave me alone, Sarah. Stop. Yeah. Why, why are you stopping me? From, I want to do this right now. You're bothering me. Go away. Yeah. To, Oh God, I just don't really feel like working on that. I don't feel like doing that. Yeah. And I'm slowly starting to try to learn how to deal with that. I tell you, I, I've already learned how to do it. It's just, oh, it's worked. It's worked to do it. No, what, what's worked for you? Oh, dude, starting my day early, mm-hmm. getting up early. And early for me doesn't even have to be super early, like 7.30 and going for a walk. It can be as, I can set myself up for total success on the day if I wake up early and go for an hour walk with my dog. Mm. Brisk walk, boom. That's all it takes for yeah. me, really. Um, yeah, I've always felt better getting up and then like- Get a little exercise right away. exercise. Get a little exercise first thing in the morning. I can set myself up for success just by getting a little exercise first thing in the morning. That's all it takes. Yeah. It's, but that's really hard to, to do, especially right now. It's wintertime. It's cold. It's cold. It's dark. Fuck, it's dark all that's the time. That's the worst part is it's dark. I remember there was uh, two weeks ago, <laughs> it was it was just a dreary day. Mm-hmm. It was overcast. And it was like two o'clock and I was already tired. <laughs> and it was because it started to get dark outside. And for from two o'clock until I went to bed at like 10, it felt like it was eight o'clock the whole time. Yeah. Like it was just. And, it, and that, that, and I hate, that's the one thing I, probably the only thing I hate about winter is just that feeling of like, because, you know, you know, living here in the Midwest, I feel like from, you know, probably March until what, November, mm-hmm. it's like you have a, you have a pretty good day, chunk day. of day. Yeah. yeah. And it's, but from December Especially to in like August, dude, when those, yeah. the sun's up till nine thirty, yeah, wow. it's perfect. But then from December until you know February, it's just like this time period where it's just like dark by the time you get off work dark. or whatever. You don't feel you. It's like you're so used to putting stuff off the next day once it starts getting dark that you just do it. And 
or you lose track of time. And mm-hmm. I, I had that experience the other day. I don't know how, how you like to work, but I like to work and, and it kind of, it fits back into what I was just talking about. Like how I'm kind of manic. I like mm-hmm. to work in huge. I like to, it's not, it's not a marathon. It's a sprint. Mm-hmm. I'll get a bunch of shit done over the course of like two days. And then I don't really need to get anything done for a couple of days. Cause I got so much done. So I was in one of those states where I was like, just getting a sh- shit to load of stuff done. Just, yeah. it was like stuff was just falling into my lap. Yeah. I was just attacking these jobs and getting them finished. And I was making this video and, uh, I mean, I don't know how much time I was working on it. It doesn't matter. It was, yeah. I was in like a, one of those fugue states. I was just going and it got done. And I'm like, it must be, it looks bedtime. No, I'm ready to go to bed. It was six 30 in the afternoon. I hadn't eaten. Yeah. I don't know if you'll do that. I have a bat. Sarah. Yeah. Will be I'll on do that me. sometimes. Cause if, if we think about it, about the age we are now wasn't too far often, you know, the age that our parents had us when we were like, you know, four or five, you know? Oh yeah, you're right. I'm exactly this. Yeah. I'm a couple of years older now than my dad was yeah. when I was born. And so like, I think like, well, like, well, Matt and he has two kids and I think, you know, how I am now is how they were generally back then. And it's like, you know, how many things have happened in their life? How many things are going to happen in my life? And it's like, this stuff is going to happen regardless. So like, not to say you can't worry about it. But all you can ever do is really just prepare for it or just deal with it when it happens. And so I think that's been the best way for me to deal with a lot of things that have happened. And especially how things are getting now where people are just so against like one another based on like a, some type of label. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely, that's got, yeah. I feel like that's got to be new. Yeah. That feels m- pretty novel. Well, no, I think. I think just the labels have changed, you, you know? think so? Maybe you're right, actually. I, I, mean, I think, I think, yeah, the society has definitely changed, but I think that whole game of this label versus that label has always been there. You know, everyone's always looking for the common enemy or, you know, but, but I think what is considered common has changed. You know, before it would probably be, you know, your neighborhood or community, but now you can join in on online communities that stretch, you know, globally or nationally you know so now you have people who hate someone else just for being something different and so i don't think that's changed but i think its reach has changed Mm -hmm. and the labels have changed i think i agree with that for sure i guess what i think about that's interesting about so when i think about my life the main things that really stand out and you've kind of already touched on them a Mm -hmm. little bit Mm 9-11 was a big one yeah it was a huge one and then Really, just the whole war. The, the well, yeah, that was. I mean, we've we found ourselves. It's very Orwellian, but we found ourselves in this like Orwellian state of perpetual war mm-hmm. that he kind of outlines in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, like, and the wars are just there as a distraction. They're just there. They have a purpose. That purpose is to make rich people wealthy, but they don't ever go away because if they were then we might focus our attentions domestically and we'd be like, oh shit, look at all the fucked up stuff about America that we should probably fix. You know, I've heard, uh, like I talked about, and it was kind of like, you know, the the war started for, you know, reasons after like Mm 9-11, but it got to a point where it's like, okay, you've helped like clear out this area 
of like these different like regimes and everything, but like, how do you build it back up? And I think mm-hmm. the problem is every four years or like every presidential term, it changes mm-hmm. what the goal is. So I think that's what's been difficult about it. Yeah. And those things take more than eight years to resolve. Yeah. And we, we switch our leadership every eight years. <clears throat> that's a challenge. But then at the same time, we definitely don't want to find ourselves in a situation with perpetual yeah. leadership, especially oh, yeah. with, with what we have now. Yeah. So I think about 9-11 is obviously a big one. Yeah. And then the election of Barack Obama mm-hmm. felt really groundbreaking to me. Yeah, a no, black huge, American yeah, yeah. president was huge. Can you think of any others that I'm missing that were kind of along the way that were like huge nation changing experiences that happened? You know, I'm trying to, th- not off the top of my head. And then head, obviously this one, blank. COVID. This yeah, one has COVID been huge. It's huge. Well, the 2008, like, uh, recession. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. That was recession. huge. Um, that was really, that impacted me so much and I didn't even realize it because I didn't yeah. have any context for anything different. Yeah. Cause that was about the time we were leaving college or going into college. Yeah. Leaving and high school. And the impact of it was still within, by the time we were graduating. Or, yeah. You know, going in the workforce. My parents still haven't really fully recovered from that. Like as far as like financially concerned. Yeah. But then also like what you're talking, the way that it changed the, the way that people work and the way that people look for work yeah, has been so different. Like all, well, I mean, the, all those jobs yeah. that other people used to have, like the previous generations used to have and like the financial security that well, they used to have. There's stuff that like wasn't necessarily negative that also changed. Like the dot-com boom, a lot of the tech stuff, yeah. social media. Like that's all stuff that's been super impactful. It has uh, been, but I feel like those jobs have a barrier to entry that jobs previously that were equally as well, affluent. Just, not just the job, just like the way we interact with each other. Oh, for sure. The, the, internet, culture, the yeah. creation yeah, of the internet yeah. has, is one of those things. You're yeah, right. For yeah. sure. In fact, that actually might be and then, yeah. the biggest of them all. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And then like video games and like we were talking about video games earlier and like the fact that you can play video games online with people and how that's changed like cultures and everything. Yeah. I'll say that young people don't have the same xenophobia that older generations have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I've, my experience with younger people and. Oh yeah. There's a lot more like, um, I don't know what, what generations is in like high school right now or that could be considered. They're Gen Z. Gen Z. Like they're more accepting. Oh, for sure. And like, I remember, I remember us being kind of like outliers or at least felt like outliers with how accepting we were Mm -hmm. in school. Like, I remember, like, this is crazy because thinking now and that this was in like the same generation of like gay marriage becoming legal. Oh, that's a huge one that I should have mentioned that I didn't think of. Yeah. And like, I was, I was listening to the Office Ladies podcast and they were talking about an episode where they make a reference to gay marriage and they were like, they were like, this guy, this is huge because back then that, you know, it was still, it wasn't legal. Mm-hmm. And, but I think back when we were in high school and how, you know, we were friends, I felt like we were friends with like almost every type of like clique or whatever, mm-hmm. or like type of person in high school. And I remember back then just how much like how homophobic people were mm-hmm. or, or kind of racist some people were. And it was like, it was, it was a big deal as crazy as now, like to be open or to be um, accepting of those things. You were really kind of like the outcast. It, like, it was a big deal to be openly gay while we were in high school. Yeah. 
there were people who were openly yeah. gay, but it was kind of a big deal to be yeah. openly gay. Yeah. And now it's not. Now yeah. it's totally normal to be openly gay in high yeah. school. I'll say. Which is great. What was that? There was a book I was reading that I remember reading it and I was like, oh, that's, it was, it basically like phrased it as imagine trying to live, you're like you're trying to live every day holding a secret. Mm-hmm. And then like, and, but knowing that getting that secret out there was the only way that would help your situation, but it would also hurt your situation. Right. And I remember just like reading that and thinking like, like, but like, I guess what I'm just trying to do is connect that with how great it is, how things have changed to where it's just so people are so open to people and being different. You don't have to be ashamed of who you are yeah. as much anymore, yeah. which is good. But I'll also say that just from my experience, like I did not have a single gay friend until I was out of high school Mm -hmm. and they were girls. Mm -hmm. I struggled with having gay male friends. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that up to that point, I hadn't known a lot of openly gay people Mm -hmm. because like I said, in high school, it wasn't necessarily super okay to be openly gay. Yeah. And then a lot of the openly gay men that I found myself interacting with, I didn't relate to anything that they had going on. Yeah. And also some of them, some of the guys that I got to know were kind of toxic, not because they were gay, just because of the situations that they found themselves in. Yeah. So like, I didn't necessarily want to be friends with those people, Mm -hmm. but it was even something for me not dramatic, not like life changing, but it just, it took meeting some gay dudes who were just really cool fucking dudes yeah. who, who I just wanted to be friends with regardless, uh, to really open my mind in that way fully. Like I can, like theoretically I was always like totally open to the idea of having a gay male friend. Yeah. It just d- never really came to fruition because of opportunity. Yeah. And so like, it was something that I struggled with. Yeah. And so I don't know. But you are right about how, how much we've changed as a, how much, how much culture and society has changed. And I think it has a lot to do with the internet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you can meet, well, like you were saying, you know, not knowing very many uh, gay people and you would go to like at high school, there wasn't many people that were a out or, you know, you, you, there wasn't that many. Right. Really? So there's probably tons. Yeah, there's probably tons, but you didn't know. And so, but now it's like, if you go to high school where there's no one there like you, you can go online and find people. And right. Then, and that's, and that's huge. I think mm-hmm. that's finding that like common person and like getting that support. So that was a good one that you missed. The it internet? Gay, it was gay marriage. Gay marriage. Oh, yeah, and internet. I missed gay marriage and yeah, the internet. both of those. That's, that's like... I remember back in college. Can you, can you believe that it that yeah. it wasn't legal? Yeah, I remember back in college, like taking a class where it was constitutional law, and one of the papers we had to write was like on, um, I forget the Defense America Act was that DOMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to write on that. But now it just seems so like silly that we even that that was even something. Somebody just, like it's just people just wanting equal rights as other people, mm-hmm. such an issue, and it's. But it's still the same thing that you see now. Yeah. Instead of now, it's, you know, it's not 
sexual orientation. It's, you know, race, mm-hmm. which has, you know, been and around for a while. It's still sexual orientation. Yeah. I mean, there's still people who are trying to, to make gay marriage yeah. illegal again. Like, what the fuck? That's crazy. Why? Yeah. I just can't understand it at all. But it's so interesting. I was listening to the Podigal Sons podcast. Shout out Podigal Sons. Brandon Newman and Lance Newman, these motherfuckers are out here doing great things. But they were talking about how the House of Representatives just passed a bill where they would decriminalize marijuana mm-hmm. and they would also go back and pardon everybody who had a, a nonviolent marijuana charge. <laughs> Which is huge. Yeah, that it's it's huge. But like they were like, that is fucking bullshit. You're basically just admitting that you ruined thousands yeah. of majority low-income black men's lives yeah. ruined their lives yeah for absolutely no fucking reason and there's no plan to yeah there's to, no like to uh, like make up for it in any way yeah like what the fuck like come on yeah i mean and it's really crazy how you realize that a lot of the things associated with the war on drugs were basically just racist dudes yeah in the fbi and the CIA, Ronald Reagan, working for the federal government or the president, <laughs> who were just looking for excuses to criminalize being poor and black. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, look at the mandatory minimums for crack cocaine what versus f- cocaine. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it was in, um, no, this is one of the papers that I wrote back in college, but it was in LA County, California. So LA. Mm-hmm. And between, I think, 1990 or 1988 and 1992. Not a single white person, I'll have to go back and double check, but I think that not a single white person was convicted at the federal level for crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because, you know, white people weren't smoking crack cocaine. Right. Because they were all being tried at the state level. Right. Or the local level. It was like, it was, um, it was just a way to penalize minorities. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I've always seen it, you know, you know, you will have racist people. Yeah. I mean, that's just. Unfortunately, that's just the fact. But then you also have people that get caught up in a system that perpetuates it. Yeah. So. And that's kind of like yeah, Ibram Kendi's yeah. whole anti-racist thing. Like yeah. trying not to participate in those things. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things. And, and I think this goes with almost any type of job where you, you, you reach a, like a certain position to where you, you, and you reach like a certain level of experience where you lose sight of what it's like for other people. Mm-hmm. So like a lobbyist or a politician, they're just trying to become the best politician they can be, but they lose sight of what it's like to not be a politician. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with like policing and like minority communities, it becomes a thing. They're just kind of trying to become good police, you know, a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. But the problem is some of the way, the ways that, you know, people were policing were extremely unfair mm-hmm. like the stop and frisk or you know um some of the search warrants and everything or you know a lot of the drug laws it was unfairly targeting parts of the community that were mainly minority yeah that's actually something that's really been interesting about 2020 also is how somehow i don't even i don't even think it's somehow i totally 100% understand how it's happening police officers have been used and they've become a scapegoat yeah I mean, that's what it is. They're, they're like scapegoats for policies. Yes. Like, cause that's what I was trying to say. Like with the, like, like stop and frisk, stop and frisk became a huge issue because it mainly was 
you know, young black men that were getting stopped and frisked for drugs. Yeah. And they had drugs on them and they were out on the streets. Yeah. As opposed to wealthier individuals who had the exact same drugs. A college dorm college dorm or, you know, inside of a suburb. I mean, I got enough drugs in our house in this house right now to take me to jail, but nobody's coming here. If you had to not necessarily you had a quota, but you had to show that you're actually going out there and doing police work. Right. You know, are you going to sit around inside of like a suburban neighborhood and just like, you know, wait for someone to hand over a drug? Well, that's never going to happen. Right. But if you go downtown, you might be able to catch someone on the street corner who's out there dealing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're not, any part of society is not doing any less of drugs. It just means it's easier to catch them there. Right. Yeah. And then that's where it becomes like- Because this, they're not in a situation to yeah. hide it as effectively as some yeah. other people might be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it becomes like- and it's one of those things where it's like, yes, it makes sense. Like if I were to say they were doing drugs, drugs were illegal and you caught them, well, that makes sense. But if you're only doing it to that part of the community, that's where it's like, okay, you have one part of the community who's being unequally policed. Yeah. And then the whole drugs, like that word. Yeah. Like I just drank a glass of wine. It has alcohol in it. That's it's a drug. poison. Yeah. It's literally what like alcohol. Alcohol is poison. Yeah. yeah. I drank... A- two glasses of coffee today, that caffeine in there yeah. is a drug. If you take Adderall or you give your children Adderall, you're giving your kids yeah. a legal version of speed, basically. Yeah. You might as well do cocaine. Yeah. I got friends who are like, yeah, I like Adderall, but it's harder to get than Coke because I can buy Coke illegally on the street and Adderall, I got to find somebody with a prescription for it. Mm-hmm. They're like, but ba- pretty much I get the same thing either yeah. way. So it's like, we're all using drugs. Everybody's using drugs. And newsflash, human beings have been using drugs since the beginning of time. We used to eat mushrooms and dance in circles around fires while we bang out songs on drums. Mm-hmm. And it was the best thing that you could do for your community. because at the high end, school? No, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> because those drugs elicited experiences that everyone could share and it built a bond in the community a spiritual bond yeah between these groups of people who had had these experiences together i mean like i don't know have you ever done mushrooms Mm-mm, you no. do mushrooms with a couple of people man and you're all having that experience together yeah it's a bonding experience well i look at like and it, it's mostly associated with the feelings that, you, that the drug elicits in you it makes you love those people yeah and appreciate the experience having cool. more. Because in my experience, especially with psychedelics, one of the things that it does is it just makes you pay more attention because yeah. it makes the thing you're paying attention uh, just a teensy bit more interesting because <laughs> it's moving and it didn't used to or yeah. something like that. Yeah. The colors are changing and it wasn't yeah. before. But I look at like a lot of the drugs. It's like, what's the goal? Is it the goal to just catch as many people that are on drugs? And to punish them, because that doesn't fix anything. The goal is to stop people from thinking for themselves, Dave, and to make people more easy to control. That's the thing. And also to throw some poor people in jail in the meantime, if we can. And if they're black, great, wonderful. That's even better. That's the goal. Because I mean, like, and then even then when they're in jail, like, because I feel like, you know, everyone, you know, this is just getting to criminal justice, but it's like the whole like idea is just to punish people. But then that never changes anything. Like you never teach anyone how to get better Mm -hmm. and you can't get better if you're just being punished, but you're addicted to something. Right. Like it's just, 
probably going to drive you more to addiction because yeah, addiction you don't is your coping addicted, mechanism. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so that's what always boggles my mind of like that, like cyclical thing of way of thinking of, you know, these people shouldn't be doing drugs. And then you, the other side of it is, you know, they need to figure it out on their own. But then like, yeah, how do you, how do you help them do that? Like, how do you help them cross that bridge or like make that turn to where they're becoming better for like, it's like, there's, there's no goal. It's just like a way, it's, it's like a means to an end. Yeah. You've been talking about like. this. You and I have had this conversation before in the past, like the American criminal justice system is extremely punitive Yeah, and there's no reason behind it. All the data, the data has been played out. Yeah. Like, like that doesn't so help. With like punishment isn't a good indicator of like, uh, like diversion. Like you'll, you'll never keep anyone from committing a crime by punishing someone else. Right. And so if you take that away, especially if there's a chance that you could commit the same crime and yeah. maybe get away and that's with the thing it. is like everyone has committed at least like a crime uh, with, without, whether they are conscious of it or not, it was it probably committed, you know, a felony at some point mm-hmm. and that, or not a felony, but like a misdemeanor or something point where they're just like, you know, they drive 25 miles per hour over the speed limit or they, you know, annoying or they take someone else's medication. You know, it's like all these things that have happened, but yet if you get caught, that's where we're most like punitive. Right. And it's, and it's like, you don't like, that's not how you grow and get better. I don't think. And you know, if, if parts of society are fairly being policed or whatever to where they should be getting all this, this punishment, then what are you going to be doing to, or you do you just want to keep punishing people or do you want to actually make that part of society better? Yeah. That's the thing that I don't think people realize is that at the end of the day, we've gotten really good at thinking about people as individuals, but you really almost kind of have to think about humans as, as a species, as a community. Yeah. Like the way you think about an ant colony. Yeah. Humans kind of behave a lot like insects in the sense that we aren't humongous groups of people interacting with each other as much as we are individual people. Yeah. And if you want humans to get better, you need to take, you need to find the people who are struggling the most and lift them up because then it raises the bottom line. They, it raises the bottom line yeah. and then they can contribute to the whole more effectively lifting everybody else up along the way. Yeah. But we haven't done a good job of that. No. And I think there is something like there is something to be said for like, like I've talked about this before of like the conservative versus liberal of like the conservative, like wants to just focus on the person and they think person is responsible for all the actions mm-hmm. and the person should be responsible for bettering themselves. Whereas, so when you say the conservative, you mean like the general idea of yeah, conservative American, not necessarily the word person. itself. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, with like the liberal is like, their concern is with the community problems the are, are, are derived from the community and they should be fixed with the community. Mm-hmm. And like the problem with either is neither of them will by themselves fix anything. Right. It's because like, if, if I'm only cons- like, like you can never always just be concerned with yourself. Like you have relationships, you have like family, you have, you know, you have people that you meet that you acquaintances that are just part of your, your life that you take care of. And that's, you know, that's the community. 
But the thing is, the community can't fix everything and it does have to come down to the person. So there's always needs to be that middle ground of like weighing out and almost, I don't know if it's like an individual thing or if it's like a, a big over, overcoming idea of like, we need to want to fix society, but we have to give people individuals the tools to do it. Right. And the incentive to do it. Yeah. You pretty much basically said what I was going to say, which is we have to set up society in such a way that it is equitable to all individuals. Everyone has the same level of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then we have to incentivize the individual to take advantage of that opportunity. Because ultimately, if a person chooses to be a detriment to society, which they might. Yeah, I mean, people... Some people just want to be... Some people are just mean. Yeah. People are just shitty. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of... Most of the time, I feel like people who are shitty are shitty for a reason because something bad happened to them. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's like out of fear or it's like some type of trauma. I mean, there are some people maybe though who just are born sociopaths. I'm not sure. I don't know. So there's a thing... uh, One of the theory why there were so many like serial killers back in like the 70s or was it the 70s? Yeah. Around like the 60s and 70s. And they think it was because of uh, World War II. Because there's some type of childhood trauma that having parents who were, yeah, killed or you know, whatever, or just came back with the scars of war, yeah, and and it affects them to the point to where, like, I guess, a person who was an adult in the 70s probably participated in World War II. Well, no, if you think about the age of what the serial killers were back, they were probably like 30 or 40, okay, so in the 70s, late 70s, so they were probably you know, adolescents when they were. During World I War II. I see. Yeah, I see. That five to eight, you know, 10 years old, you know, and they sort of got a childhood yeah. trauma. And then- so World that, War II was the 40s, right? Yeah. Okay. The 40 to 45, well, okay. 39 to 45. I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, so it was like that caused a generation of like, I don't know, it obviously wasn't generation. Of callous and unfeeling yeah, yeah, children. Yeah. And so, but now you have with 9-11 and um, it's like one of those things now where you had like, Desert Storm and like 9-11 and the war, like Iraq war. And it's like, is that going to start showing now mm. where people are callous? And- well, I'll say this. We, so cal- the, 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 there's, that's a term, callous and unfeeling child. Mm-hmm. And that came up in my studies because, you know, I studied to be a teacher and I also mm-hmm. have an undergrad in, my, in sociology. So to describe someone as a callous and unfeeling child basically just means that as a child, they're exhibiting behavior that is um, that is similar to an adult who you might describe as being a sociopath. Gotcha. It seems like they lack empathy. Mm-hmm. They struggle to um, engage in positive social interaction with kids their age, mostly because of the fact that they are struggling with that empathy. Yeah. And a lot of it is often associated with trauma of some type that that has to do with a a lot of times with a lack of uh, love and nurturing behavior taking place in the very early ages of life, like in the first like six months of life. And sometimes it has associated with a lack of white brain matter, which is also associated with Mm -hmm. lack of physical touch and, and nurturing love early on in life. Yeah. So callous and unfielding children don't always yeah. grow up to be sociopaths, but a sociopath usually almost always was. Yeah. Like without fail yeah. was a callous and unfeeling child. 
Yeah. So they just continue to exhibit these behaviors into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And there we're creating more callous and unfeeling children now than we've ever created Mm -hmm. before as a society, because there's, there's lots of trauma that's coming. There's just more poor people than there's really ever been before. And they like, there's one, there's just way more people than there's ever been before. And two, the socioeconomic divide that exists in America is greater than it's ever been before. There's just way more poor people. And that's also why we see so much more anxiety, depression, drug addiction. And I mean, we see actually less crime than we've ever really seen before. I mean, America is safer than it's ever. But it's more reported. It's way more reported. Yeah. And I mean, like across the board, like like, I think, infant death rate and everything is down like yeah but it's it's good we're doing good but it's like i think there's such a culture of like like headline culture or like just dread and then that just affects people and then even now like because we're in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> there's dread everywhere you know yeah have you do you doom scroll no no i i, I definitely did at the beginning of the pandemic where i would you know i would get anxious sitting there reading through reddit about the coronavirus I I avoided it. I don't need reasons to be anxious. Now, yeah, now I don't. I don't. I don't watch the news. I keep up with like major trends or whatever, but I don't like uh, watch the news or anything because it's like it's just that thing. Like always going to be the worst thing. You know, there's there's never really like there are some times of like good whole wholeness, like wholesomeness. Yeah, wholesomeness. There no, there's go. not, Dave, because that doesn't sell. Well, there, there it is, but it's such a short segment. Fear that it's, is, makes people easier to control. Yeah. And so fear is what we propagate. Well, and the media is all owned by the same four. Well, actually, families. well, so I believe it's, so something good can release dopamine, but something also equally bad can. Really? And so it's like a, because it's like a defense mechanism. Or it's almost like a survival mechanism. Something good, you want that dopamine. But if you get that rush from something bad, mm-hmm. I think, I think dopamine. I might, I could be totally wrong and just be bullshitting you, mm-hmm. but I think dopamine does get released. And that's one of the things where people can get in this cycle of like fear mongering or always going to check on the negative stuff mm-hmm. because they got that same response. And it's just like a part of your body's reaction to it. And I don't think like, I, I, I want to think what I learned was like dopamine isn't necessarily like a feel good thing. Mm-hmm. It can just be like a response to something. Like a reward response. Yeah. It's like a reward response. Yeah. So what that makes me think, and you said you were just bullshitting. I'm also just bullshitting right now, but mm-hmm. the process of seeking out certain information, yeah, finding it releases dopamine. Mm-hmm. You were seeking this information. You found it. So it makes you feel good. You wanted to read an article about COVID. You found it. So it makes you feel good. And you can, you know, you can look up two opposing ideas and find information on both. Yeah, dude. Oh my God, that's the great, well, that's something we haven't even talked about, which is this reality that we live in now where you can't fucking believe anything. Yeah. There's nothing worth listening to because as easily as it could be real, it could just as easily be fake. Yeah. And it's impossible to tell the difference. Yeah. And the majority of the places where the information is coming from have an agenda. So regardless of what they're talking about actually happened, the narrative that they're feeding you is based upon a conclusion that they've already decided that they want you to make. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. That's human nature. It's like with the actual process, but it's like, if you believe something, it's like cognitive dissonance. It's like, if you believe 
something, right? But then you find out the evidence otherwise. But you could perceive that it could be true. Well, then it might as well be true. It's like, well, I could see that happening. Or yeah, right. I could say that. Yeah, right. I see. Yeah. So that hasn't happened yet, but it yeah. will or yeah. something like yeah. that. Or it could. Yeah. So it might. We might things well have happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you think, because that also kind of goes in line with something that I've heard before about how if you have, if you meet a person who has a differing opinion than you and you present to them facts that prove them wrong, it just makes them dig in their heels Yeah, they deeper. feel attacked. Yeah. Because they've built up this, not a persona, but like this worldview and now you're attacking their worldview. Mm-hmm. And therefore them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like a saying, it was like, never teach a pig to fly because it just gets irritated. But it's like, that's what it is. It's like the pig, it's like the pig doesn't know, like can't fly or like, like there's no reason to try to get a pig to fly because it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. So like, there's no reason to try to change someone's worldview so abruptly. Mm -hmm. Cause you're going to, it's like, cause a lot of what people think is based off of something like insecurities Mm -hmm. or, you know, they have a reason to learn something or they have a reason to, to not want to, you know, learn the reality of, of whatever it is. And so when you start attacking that, that's where like people like dig their heels in their thing. Like, no, cause uh, they, they can't like subconsciously like change that. You want to know what one of the saddest parts about 2020 has been for me. And it's actually relevant to this conversation is there are people in my life who, when I think about them, the main thing I think is that person is really funny. Mm -hmm. You, I think of you, your humor has always been something about you that I've appreciated. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have similar humor. Yeah. Probably because we just hung out a whole lot. Jake Stratton, Mm. same way. Yeah. It's harder to have funny conversations in 2020. Yeah. It's harder. I always find myself talking about, there's nothing to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the bullshit that we're all dealing with at the same time. Say every comedian that's going to come out with new stuff next year is just going to be about. It's all it's going to be. COVID. Well, I mean, but, I mean, humor and making light of something is so good. Like yeah. you can laugh about it, and I feel like that's one of the indicators of being able to like almost like heal or know that you're dealing with it. Is if you can laugh about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think the bad thing about that is. People assume, like, because you saw this back in, like, what, 2016, that was a big joke. But people assuming that, like, the beginning of the year is going to make it any different, you know? Oh, I know. There is, like, this whole thing, like, 2021 is going to be, nothing's going away in 2021. But here's the thing, though, is I've been through a COVID infestation now. And for the majority of Americans, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. But the last thing that I would want to do is make anybody sick. Yeah. Who it's going to be a big deal for. And what's crazy is more and more people have at least one person that they know has had it. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just getting worse and worse and more people are getting it. More people are getting infected. And I mean, good thing we're starting to get, you know, the vaccine out. But I mean, what they're saying is like another half a year before most people, the general public can get it. Really? Oh, the vaccine. Yeah, the vaccine. Well, dude, the vaccine in itself is also... So the scary thing is now that like more and more people that you know are getting it, the likelihood of you getting it is going up higher and higher to where it's like 
yeah, only, you know, 3% of people or whatever, whatever the, the death rate is, you know, if that's the only thing you want to consider if it's worse or not is on that death rate. It's like, which I think was what, like, it was like one to 3% or something like that. Yeah. I think right but, now it's, it's one to 3% of 300 million, mm, you know, is a lot of people. Yeah. And that's what's scary. Well, is lots like, of people are dying right now as yeah, we speak. Yeah. And that's what's scary about it is like the, the, like, and I, I think it's just kind of like almost like a protective, I don't know if people just like don't want to, they just want to be naive or whatever, but it's like the more and more people that get it and the less cautious we are about stopping the spread, it's just, you know, that one to 3%. Yeah. It still stays one to 3%, but one to 3% of, you know, a million people is different than 300 million. Mm -hmm. And now that's, that's one of the craziest things for me is this line of thinking that like, like I saw something today on Facebook of all places. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, uh, you know, if masks don't work, then what about the lockdown? If lockdowns don't work, then what about shutting down restaurants? It was like this weird way of thinking. It's like the, the, the slippery slope fallacy. Yeah. And, but it's like, but it's like, you know, we never really did anything to stop it. Mm-mm. It was just like, a t- like, and it was, you know, and, and I think this is just we, our culture. We pretended like we did. Yeah. But it's like, we did it. So everybody can stay home, just needs to stay home. But all y'all poor motherfuckers who have to work <laughs> every day, y'all better be well, at not work. Even that. You had people, uh, you know, protesting for haircuts and everything. And it's like, mm-hmm. if we just treated it serious for a month which is what we should have done at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it was supposed to be over by Easter. And it's like, if we, if we just treated it serious for a month, we'd be in a far better place now. And, and I think that's one of the most difficult things for us having a huge country that we do. We're like each state is basically the size of a lot of the countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like hard for you to sit in an area. Like I, like I visited, you know, which I think it's, it's getting worse now. But I visited Oklahoma and it was like, they didn't have that many cases, but it's like, it was, it's hard for somebody in Oklahoma to look at, you know, New York and almost empathize with them. Like, yeah, they're American and everything, but they're in New York all the way, you know, however many hundred miles, thousand miles that is away. And it's like, but you know, it's just going to, it's going to just like change locations if the whole nation isn't taking it serious. Like even though there's no cases in your area. If you shut down as well for those many weeks, you know, we'll get to a place where it's not spreading as fast. Mm-hmm. Across an, uh, the yeah. entire nation. Yeah. yeah. But that's also hard to do because it's yeah, like, it is. you know, you have so many people that are living paycheck to paycheck or. That's the thing. Or, yeah. And there's no assistance to help them. Which so, has been crazy. So, like, I had a conversation with my sister of, like, uh, Andy Bashir shutting down on the restaurants. And it was kind of like this whole idea that Andy Bashir is unfairly talk, targeting an industry. Well, no, it's an industry that was, um, you know, that was shown to actually spread. Yeah. And it makes sense that yeah. it would. But like the, the issue isn't Andy Bashir shutting it down. The issue is that no one has really done anything to provide support for that industry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There are hundreds of people and it's a gig economy. They're working off of tips. Mm-hmm. The, that, that population of people was already getting fucked by the status quo. I mean, yeah. they're getting paid $3 and 20 cents an hour, Yeah, you know, and then working off tips. Well, and also like, you know, most restaurants weren't set up to do takeout 
So majority of everything was bringing people in the door. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're switched to, now you have to do takeout. The whole thing changes because a lot of people, if they can't go out and sit down, they're probably just going to eat at home. And it's like the whole like thing shifts and like can't have a restaurant without cooks. Can't bring cooks are expensive. And then like, but like there, there should be no reason why there's like, I think it's just the response of there was nothing ever done for like some of these industries mm-hmm. to give them help. But instead it's like all falling on the shoulders of like governors and everything who just try to do the right thing and shut down stuff. But it's like, you can't shut down without some type of help. Right. And it's like the seesaw effect of. And the interesting thing is, is there's been help. Yeah. For billionaires. Yeah. That we've bailed out all of these billion dollar industries. Well, I think of so many small businesses that couldn't get that $10,000 right. PPP loan. But like all of these senators and even like Donald Trump's like, like his um, corporation, like got a big like three, three something million. But it's like, those weren't, what was sold to the American public wasn't that. It was right. to help these small businesses. Well, it's it's identifying to the American public that the system was designed for these rich people. Yeah. It's being ran by them. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I mean, you're familiar with Alex Jones, right? You know yeah. who Alex Jones is. And he's a wacko, <laughs> yeah. obviously. And a lot of the shit that he talks about is crazy. Yeah. But he snuck into, uh, what was it called? Like Bohemian Grove. Yeah. And filmed all the of these owl, world yeah. leaders like dancing naked around this like owl effigy that they were burning. Yeah. Like that shit's real. Yeah. These guys are all a part of this huge, massive cult. And they, you get, you become a part of it by being a billionaire and you participate in all this debaucherous behavior. So now you're beholden to the group because if you do anything against them, they'll show that picture of that other guy with his finger up your asshole or something like that. And it's like, you're stuck. And those humans are ruling everything and they don't fucking care about the average person. And in fact, they're incentivized to keep the average person dumb and distracted. And that's what is happening. And I think that's being made clear. But the problem is, is that the average person is too dumb and distracted, including myself. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like just that part of like human nature of like projecting your own thoughts and beliefs onto somebody. Like Mm -hmm. if I want to treat you with empathy, I would think that you would treat me until you prove me you don't, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, if, if I'm looking at someone who is a politician, who's like, I'm hoping that they're going to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I am projecting these beliefs onto them when they, they might just not. Like what is the right thing? Yeah. Your interpretation of the right thing. Yeah. And there was, there was, it was heartbreaking to see so many people. Like, I mean, these were being passed around from Twitter Twitter, and like people were like making fun of these people, but it's like, these people believed in a politician so much to do the right thing. And then when they were losing their jobs or losing their, their house or whatever, they were like, you know, I voted for you, but like this past election, they would like tweet Trump and it'd be like, I voted for you, but when's the next relief coming? You know, it's like, it's almost like sad where they're, they're projecting like these needs onto this 
person who's never going to care twice. For mm-hmm. And it's like, that's where it gets kind of sad. Of A lot of people, and they vote against their own yeah. best interests. Yeah. I don't think you can vote for your best interests anymore. Well, it's so hard because like. Because I don't, on a national level, I don't think yeah, there's no, anybody so who really, really gives a shit and about And that's where it's crazy of like, I don't want to like call like abortion or anything like a small issue, but it's such a, in terms of what is going to be good for a president. Like, yes, it's, it's probably a big issue for the people that, you know, believe heavily, but it's like, it's not a good indicator if somebody's going to be a good president or not. Right. It's just a buzzword that somebody puts out there because they know it's going to evoke an emotional response and then they can manipulate it based on. And they can manipulate a group of people to vote for them. Yeah. yeah. So a president is never going to be a hundred percent what you need from a president. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just, you you can't expect one person to be that way. Yeah, I, th- I think the whole job is bullshit, and yeah. we should we should fire the president well, I, and hire but, but a group think, of like twenty five people to do the job. But I think it's like you could, but you could you could pick a good president. You know, I don't know. I'm making this up, but like I feel like you could pick a good president based on other circumstances, mm-hmm. like like maybe not certain issues, but instead how they think or how they approach different things. Like, are they going to be more receptive to another idea versus mm. do they believe in this idea or not? You know what I mean? Right. Because then it's like, you know, instead of getting four years of being stonewalled, you get someone who actually listens to a big portion of the U.S. and then they feel heard. Because that's, right. like, that's the biggest thing with, you know, the, one of the reasons why we got Donald Trump is, you know, during a, the whole time Obama was president, it's like these people felt so unheard. And when someone comes people. along and even though they're like the, you know, the pinnacle of the worst of the worst, like, but they represent them in some way, they latch onto it. Right. So I think a lot of people who like Trump don't necessarily believe in everything mm-hmm. about bad about Trump. Right. And it's easy for someone who doesn't like Trump to think about these things, you know, to think about, you know, how horrible he is to women and all that stuff. But like someone else is just, they're just finally being heard. Right. Finally, so, somebody represents yeah. something that they care about. Yeah. And so now I think like, okay, now Trump just lost and Biden's going in. And I remember when, you know, they announced like Biden won and it was like the unofficial before they did these recounts and everything. And people were so quick to be like, and eh, man, I kind of get it too, but like be so hateful towards people who voted for Trump or who believed in Trump. And I kind of get it too. You just like spent four years of being called like a snowflake or mm-hmm. a libtard and all this stuff. But it's like, the worst thing we can do right now is continue to alienate each other. Right. And it's like, just be happy that that type of influence is going to happen for the next four years and then make these people also feel heard. Even though we have to, we have a lot to undo and, and fix, make these people feel like, you know, they're heard and they're appreciated. So then four years from now, we don't have the same thing happen. Yeah, I don't even know if I have that much faith in the system. I don't, know, it's be, I don't think I do. Well, see, I don't think it's in the system. I think at that point it's in us, right? Like as, as cliche as it is to say, like we vote the politicians, even though arguably we really don't have a say because like we, we have a say at the end, right? Like when it becomes election day, November 4th, we can, or the first Tuesday or whatever of November, we can go in and we can vote. For the but two when, people that yeah, they give us. But other than that in the primaries, it's like, we don't really have a say on who gets up there. Yeah, really not even the primaries either cuz like the like they 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 pick up they pick a person. But what we and can they do make, now they 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 control how much 
publicity that person gets up yeah. to that point. But what we can do from now on is within our communities and everything is to be more open to each other. Like, 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 cause that's one of the things I hated the most was having a different, different opinion than most people going to like something like the lake. And then the whole time you're down there, someone who, um, you know, this has a Trump flag or anything, just spends their whole time just like talking down on Democrats or anything like that. And it's like, I hope we can get to the point where we're past that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just about winning or being better than another person. It's about doing the better thing than it is trying to have someone lose. I think you got to raise people up to that point. Yeah. I don't think that's- Well, that's what, that's what we can work on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think we do a good job of mm-hmm. raising people because we don't educate people well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God was a part of that system and we do a shitty job of teaching young people. Yeah. Well, you don't learn. I feel like there's so much you learn just like once you leave high school and it, and it's, yeah. it's tough because like there are things that you have to, there are things that you have to learn, but you know, what's going to help you long-term, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, and it's like, I've always like, I don't know what the school system, it's like, Kids go in and they have this big idea of what they want to do, what they want to become. They leave and they have no idea and they just have anxiety. Yeah. But it's like, okay. they've realized that, yeah. oh, well, those things I wanted to become, I'm not ever going to be able to do. <laughs> and then you become, yeah, because of algebra. But, you become, <laughs> but then you become an adult and you never use algebra again, right? Unless you become but a you math don't know, teacher. Yeah. <laughs> but, then you don't know, but then you don't know back in middle school if that's what you needed. So right. it's like, but, it's, but it almost like. And you don't. Yeah, it'd be better to have more schooling and to teach stuff like interpersonal communications mm-hmm. and like and like all these like different little like like taking ownership like just like almost like just like a life class every year. Right. Well, a lot of the things that we teach in school, the subjects themselves are great topics for kids yeah. who are getting all that other stuff that they're nece- that's necessary from Home. their families. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not. And and a lot of kids aren't yeah. because for some reason, and this is this is where I have a very uh, controversial opinion about parenthood. A lot of my friends know that I've chosen not to be a parent. That's because I don't think I'm fit to be one. Mm-hmm. Straight up, I don't think I could do a good enough job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like learning, and I think that that's true about a lot of other humans. And I think that there are a ton of humans who are making babies, and they don't even realize that they've just made a human that's going to suffer. Yeah, because of the mistakes that they're going to make in the process of turning that little human into an adult human. And sometimes those people don't even want to be parents. No, they just accidentally did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's don't worry about it. Fucking knock it over. I don't care. Knock it over, Dave. (laughs) But like, yeah, that, and that's just where it's just like every, you just start to see like where you start to talk about one part of society and it becomes the next one. These people that just don't want to become parents and they raise a kid and like the kid doesn't, and it could be other extenuating circumstances. Maybe like there's only one parent, you know, and it's yeah. like, or, you know. And I had students in high school who were parents and they're nice ass kids. Yeah. Ter- terrible fucking parents. Yeah. <laughs> but they're children. But, but it's like, but it's like you have that. Small like mistake. Kids going to grow up with some trauma or whatever, you know, but it's, but then it could also be, oh, I had a really good point. It was really good. Uh, Oh yeah. But these people don't want to become parents, but then we also limit their ability to not become parents. Right contraceptives, birth control and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And it's and then like, we also spread a narrative that everybody should be the best thing you can do is make babies. Yeah. Which I mean, if you think about it biologically, 
Oh yeah. That's the best thing to do. Just like, continue yeah. on the yeah. human race. <laughs> right. Like, that's the only goal, really. But we've reached a place as humans, maybe not yeah, we're as like, individuals, but definitely as a species where we're now ready. And this is where it starts to get, like I was saying, controversial. We're ready to start making decisions about the direction that the species continues to travel in. And I think we really ought to take a hard look at like, who's, who's making, who's making humans. See, I think that's almost too late of like, I think it's, we should telling have someone who and can, who, who, and like who can, and who cannot have a baby. I think that's going the wrong way. I think it's like, if you focus more on the quality of the upbringing and what you provide through the school system, or even just like, like imagine if, daycares were government funded like almost in the way schools were mm -hmm. so we're like you know the first you know i don't know how what age people go into school, uh, daycares i think four yeah like even if, well even if it was like two you know like something like that but even if one in there and then you funded these daycares to where before they even get to school they're learning a lot of stuff that they normally wouldn't learn because mm -hmm. like parents are super busy or like you know there's like inconsistencies and everything you just make it super consistent and like it's free daycare and then they go into the school system and they're learning all these other things like interpersonal communications, you know, finance taxes and all this other stuff mm -hmm. as they get older and older and older. And then you provide them with like a platform to where it's like they have so some autonomy to what they want to do. And it's like, you don't have to worry about, cause I, th I think it's definitely going to get there a point where you can have more personalized teaching for kids and everything. If you have money. Yeah, but if you have money, but if we made it, but if we, if we all swallowed our pride and made it to where it was, you know, funded and for free, it would benefit everybody. Like I remember when they were discussing making the first two years of college free mm -hmm. and I remember breaking it down. I think I did like, I Googled the amount of people who, um, you know, pay taxes. And then I figured, you know, of those amount of people that are supposedly tax paying 70% of them actually paid into it. Mm -hmm. It was only going to be like 30 bucks a person right. per year. And it was like, to me, 30 bucks is worth everyone getting that extra two years of school. I agree. And so I could see where it'd be, you know, even if it was a hundred bucks, hundred bucks spread out over a year for a person per person is worth it for every kid. Well, first of all, it would alleviate all the parents of having to pay for, you know, daycare and everything. Mm -hmm. So stuff's expensive. You know, kids would be better off because they would start to learn like reading and all this other stuff earlier. And then they get into like elementary school and it's just like, it just benefits society more. Like, and that's the biggest problem I think is the stuff that you and I do probably isn't going to benefit society that much. Like an Elon Musk or like Jeff Bezos and like those guys have a lot of, they, they, can, they can change society. They can impact way more people. The best yeah. thing we can do is make it better for the next generation, the generation after. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the decisions that you have to make now is like, we're not going to see the benefit of it. People in the future are. Right. The greatest leaders plant trees that they will never be yeah. able to rest in the shade the gardener, of, yeah. or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, plant a garden that you'll never enjoy. Or so. yeah. yeah, yeah. And that I agree with that. I'm going to play devil's advocate though, real fast. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. Let's give the government more money so that we can do a better job funding schools. Fuck the government. They do a shitty job with our money. They aren't going to do any better 
with these schools than they've already done to this point. Look at his governing body. It's a bunch of dumbass people. It's a bunch of dumbass humans, just like us. And those dumbass people aren't getting paid. So the best of us aren't even in those jobs. Yeah. It's the people who, it's that, it's that whole thing where you rise to a level of incompetency. Yeah. You can, you go to a job, you do a good job at it, you get promoted until you finally reach the job that you suck at and you can't get promoted out of. Yeah. There's, I've worked in government. I've worked in the school system. These people aren't, they're there to get their paycheck. They're looking out for themselves and you can't be mad at them. Okay. So right away I'm like, ugh, I don't know if I want to pay extra money into the taxes. And then you got to think about like, you were talking about if we all just, you know, swallowed our pride and we're willing. Well, I think there are tons of Americans who would be willing to do that, but there's 1% of Americans who have 99% of the wealth who aren't, who aren't doing shit with it. Yeah. And they don't care about us. They don't, they have 98% of the wealth. Yeah. That's, and they're using it for themselves. I genuinely think, have you ever read, are you familiar with Yuval Noah Harari? He's an Israeli historian. He wrote Sapiens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote Homo Deus. Mm. He basically says rich people are going to become something else and poor people are going to stay humans. And I think that's what's happening. I mean, if you think about the stuff now that's coming out with like CRISPR, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of like like genetic, like even like genetic counseling and all that stuff mm-hmm. stuff that's not usually i don't know if it's kind Dude, of rich people pay a hundred dollars an hour to go sit in hyperbolic chambers and breathe 100 percent oxygen yeah. there are people right now like well think about it some, if you live paycheck to paycheck yeah and then you're sick or you've something and you needed to go to the doctor it's going to be a copay yeah and you might be able to afford that you might not but like you know somebody who is super wealthy they can just go and get you know some type of blood transfusion that helps exactly. shorten the telomeres of exactly. the body and helps with aging. It's like, it was funny. <laughs> so Sarah had COVID and I was talking to my bosses about it and we have this one boss and I don't like the guy. Mm. He, nothing against him personally. He just, he's not the type of leader that I want to follow. You and I have talked about why. Yeah. And uh, I was talking about Sarah having COVID. He's like, well, is she taking any of the drugs that the president was taking? I'm like, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> we're not millionaires, bro. You know how much we're you pay me. President, Check the salary. Yeah. You don't pay me shit. Yeah. Like, no, she's taking vitamin D and sleep. That's all we can get. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, come on. Like for a majority of people going, they get COVID and they go to the hospital. Yeah. We were lucky to be able to go and to the doctor because we have health insurance. Away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then not even that, like the hospitals are becoming so full that right. like, they can't even like the, the. And healthcare workers are getting sick. Outer cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's disheartening yeah. because it's like, even right there, I see an example of a person who, who's definitely not in the 1%, but he's definitely a wealthy guy. Oh, yeah, he's the 1% of the world. Yeah. Well, so am I though. Yeah. You know, so that's not really good. But even then, like it's, we have access to healthcare. Right. We know we can go to the, if we can even, like, we know we can go to the doctor. We know we have Turn on tap water and have clean drinking water. Yeah, but him asking me that question was yeah. basically like me asking like a young yeah. African child in like, you know, Ethiopia, like, why don't you just go to the doctor? You got yeah. where'd you salt. get your reverse osmosis? <laughs> right, <machine>? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they actually, where do you do yoga? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And that level of disconnection yeah. from like the the average everyday person. Yeah. We're dealing with the consequences of that. And yeah. I think it's even more diabolical. Like, I really genuinely think that that 1% of people 
they know that they're becoming something else and they're glad because the thing that they're becoming is the next better thing. It's better than being just a regular human, especially in the environment that we've created. And they want to become that. They want to manipulate like, their genes. You sound like Alex Jones right now. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. No, no I, I think... I think They want to have the mm. opportunity to sit, sit in their hyperbolic chambers and breathe their pure oxygen and have their, their moles removed with CRISPR. Well, it might not be like super diabolical. It could just be like you now have the option to it. And it's like, right. think about it like this. We want to lose weight. I didn't mean to make it seem diabolical, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I did. <laughs> you, I did. Yeah, I definitely yeah. did. You're right. <laughs> but like, think of it like this. Like, if we want to lose weight, we're going to have to learn a lot about food. Right. We're going to have to cook a lot of it, you know? Whereas like, if, if we were rich and we wanted to lose weight, we could literally just hire a personal chef to make our food for us. I'm only going to eat what you give me. Yeah. I'm only if gonna I get fat, me. you're fired, motherfucker. Yeah. So you better be watching out. We could have a doctor that we go to the, the freaking clubhouse with. Tell us like what we need to be taking. Yeah. All this gene. Th- yeah. It's, and just be better off. And it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, of course you would. Of course you then would. Then you become so disconnected from what everybody else is doing. And not necessarily like disconnected. It's also like, why wouldn't I want to do these things? And just yeah. because other people can't do it doesn't mean I wouldn't want to do it any less. Right. But. Yeah, I, I get it. Maybe it is less ominous, but it just yeah. seems so. But it, but it is because that gap is widening, and because of the amount of suffering that results. Yeah, it's it's just like eventually they're going to veer off in two directions. You know, Dave, we should have tried harder to make a fun podcast. No, no, we can't this was a sad one. <laughs> 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 That's what I was talking about earlier, man. Twenty twenty, it's made it harder to yeah. be funny. <laughs> It's made it harder to have fun. I hope you guys are all depressed now. Well, you, well, you want to know what? I Actually, I take that back. I feel like 2020 has made me funnier because it's caused yeah. me to suffer. So, so much that you can look at it better. I've had to find ways of viewing it in a humorous way in order to cope with it. Yeah. Isn't it weird how humor... I feel like a lot of creativity stem, stems from pain. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll hear happy songs. But a lot of times you'll hear happy songs that are about having come up out of the darkness. Well, it's like the, I feel like it's a stronger emotion. So I don't know. I don't know. There is something <laughs> no, about that right. guttural like happiness, but like that just strong emotion of feeling pain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, most people, they react from that and they have outlets basically. Like, like if you're like, I, f- I feel like. I don't know if, if I could see where it's like, if you're in pain, you're looking for an outlet from that, mm-hmm. and you're likely going to put that in something else. If you're super happy, you're just going to continue to engage in the way that you engage. You're, you're just going to enjoy it. Yeah. I agree. You know what I mean, you're stopping to enjoy it. There's also though, something that you said, you, you kind of nailed it. I think earlier about how pain is a more powerful experience Yeah, and it's, it is. And I, and I think I've heard a evolutionary biologist make a case for it being an evolutionary thing. Like if you ate a mushroom, and it made you feel happy, great. You're going to have to eat again tomorrow. Yeah. But if you break your leg, yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. Like not now, obviously, but yeah. you know, a thousand oh, yeah. years ago, if you broke your leg, you're fucked. The dangers should be more profound than something that makes yeah. you feel good. The stakes are greater yeah. Yeah. In, in the bad thing. So I think it takes 10 positive events to make up for one, to bad, make one. Up for one bad one. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I know. So, I don't know. I know I'm I'm not thriving in 2020, but I know I'm way better off than a lot of people. 
Yeah. So I feel lucky about that. And maybe you are thriving compared to most people. Maybe I am. You know, honestly, yeah. maybe I am. In the best circuit, you're doing the best you can in the circumstances you yep. have. Yep. And I've got great friends mm-hmm. whom I love and whom invest in me. I mean, like, I got, I, dude, I've got friends that I won't talk to for three years. Yeah. And who will embrace me like a brother when I see them. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I just feel super lucky. Yeah. I don't have, I'm addicted to sugar, which makes me fat. Uh, Sugar's But at least it's not heroin. Yeah. But it could be, could be bad. It could just as easily be. Let's get get more depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Looking into stuff like Alzheimer's. Oh, I know. God. Well, I've been thinking, I kind of touched on that earlier. Like I've been really thinking about like the, my my more sedentary lifestyle and I, yeah. I look at my dad <laughs> and like the way that like his body is falling apart yeah. and like I feel it like my dad cannot lift his arms above his head because he's got rotator cuff degeneration yeah. he's got Ooh. bone spurs and man my right arm dude I got pain in my rotator cuff in my right arm it's and not see, an now, impingement see now we can fix it hopefully right get some of those stem cells take those baby baby DNA see I, but I think I, you're you made something about it, sedentary lifestyle it's like we haven't what we do and like over the last 10 years really hasn't changed like how we eat and everything, but it's just like, we're getting to the point now we're just more sedentary of like, just in general. And also like, we're not sitting for hours in a hyperbolic chamber. Yeah. So biologically, I hope I'm 31, but yeah. I might even be older biologically, yeah. you know? So my cells are stagnating in their ability to reproduce and I'm just not bouncing back like I used to and my metabolism and I was always fat in fact I'm still less I'm less fat now than I've been in other parts of my life so I'm still doing okay yeah but like I was saying man like my my strength has gone it's it's waned I would really love to get my strength back and that underlying level of muscle that was a big part of the reason why I felt like the weight came off so fast when earlier when I was losing weights because I was I could bench 405 twice. Nice. Which was a lot for me back nice. then. And now, dude. It's a lot for me now. <laughs> dude, I, was, I did 225 the other day. Yeah. I did it three times. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I, 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 th- I thought I was going to die. The third time, the third time it was, sh- it was sheer terror that I wasn't going to be able to get it. That got yeah. me to get that oh. thing off my chest. Because I was by myself in my yeah. basement. I was like, oh my God, if you I don't get die. this off of me, it's going to fucking suck. <laughs> I did that one time when I was coaching baseball. I there I think football had been there the day before and they were all uh coaching at DOS? Yeah, they all had they left all their weights out. And mm-hmm. so someone had like three fifteen or like three fifty five or something on the bar. And one of the students was like, I bet you can't lift it. And I went over there and I was like, in my mind, I was like, I'm pretty sure I can lift it. But I also was like, I don't know if I can lift mm-hmm. it. And I did. It was so hard, but I was like, holy crap. Did like, you deadlift it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of weight. Yeah. But I remember thinking like, gosh, like, I'm not as strong as I was. Like, mm-hmm. like so. No, maybe that's that's the goal for 2021. Maybe it is to get yoked. Get yoked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to do another fast. I love a fast. They're so good. Dude, I did, a, I did like a 22-hour fast the other day, mm. and I felt fantastic. And then I ate and immediately felt, felt like, like crap, shit. Yeah. It's probably just, I don't know about you, but I always like would eat something with a lot of sugar after a fast and be like, gosh, this is awful. It was a salad, but it was a chicken finger salad and it, I used honey mustard dressing. So there were definitely carbs. And I think the crappy feeling was associated with the carbs. Yeah. yeah. 
And I want to try, uh, the longest I've ever done was 72. Well, it was about 80 hours. So it was about the three day mark and a little bit, like a half day or something. That's about what I did. I, I, I did a solid three days. Yeah. And then at that point. Man, after that first day, the second day, I always feel good. Third day, the beginning of the day, I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get tired. But like by that afternoon. See, I never felt any fatigue. I always felt great the whole well, time. Well, not tired. I guess it just felt like hungry. I was hungry the whole time. But at some point, it reached a place where it's like, well, I'm just going to be hungry now. Yeah. So I was not any more hungry on day three and a half yeah. than I was on day one. But I felt fantastic. Yeah. And I was buzzing, man. Yeah. Because I felt light. Well, I always felt like. Like, yeah, I just felt more energy, but also just like clear ahead. Clear. Like, yeah. Clear. Like. Yes. Like just Way more great. focused. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's how I was feeling the other night. Did you night. start taking lines, man? Have you ever taken lines, man? No. It's you a new, to, nootropic, right? Yeah. You need to take lines. I, I, I sometimes I get that feeling. I'll take it and I'll get that feeling too, where it's just like I'm more clear. I'll tell you what I take. I take. A, a daily multivitamin mm. that I found. I did some research and it's the best one you, that, that I could find. What is it? it? It's just like a daily men's vitamin. Gotcha. But, um, and then I take a, a vegetable supplement like athletic greens. Mm. I take six capsules nice. of that. That's great. I, you can't taste it because it's capsules, nice. but it's, it's, it's your daily recommended allowance of vegetables. So theoretically you're good. I'm good. Not, in practice, no, I need to eat more vegetables, <laughs> yeah. but, but theoretically my bases are covered. Yeah. And then recently I bought, I, I got sold on something that I saw and I don't know if I'm going to re-up on it, but I bought a month's supply of organ capsules. They take organ meat and grind it up Yeah, and it's supposed to be like, there's a lot of stuff you get from regular old muscle meat, but there's yeah. a, other stuff that you get from organs that you just can't yeah. get from regular muscle meat. And I'm not eating. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. My supplement regimen, I think, is on point. Do you do like once a day, just a certain time of day, you once bring a, them out? When I eat. Nice. Because it, you know, like the bioavailability. Yeah. So I do six capsules of the veggies uh, because, I, because I have a subscription of those and they come regularly. Gotcha. I do five capsules of the organs because that's the recommended that you take. And I only bought one of those. I take fish oil. Mm -hmm. And I take my multivitamin and I take vitamin D and I take vitamin B. Yeah. That's what I take. Nice. And I do actually, I feel good. I feel like my supplement regimen is awesome. My diet is shit and yeah. that's why I'm fat. Same. If I could clean that up, I'd feel good. Yeah. And I, I need, I need to be more, I need to move more. Yeah. I don't move enough. Yeah. The, I think the best, I'll take. Well, I'm not really good at taking them. The one I do take almost every day is resveratrol. That's supposed to like yeah. really lengthen your telomeres, right? Yeah. It's supposed to help with that and helps help with, uh, which are really good apparently with uh, when you fast and you get to like autophagy, apoptosis, mm -hmm. and then um, start taking NAD. So autophagy is nicotine. when you start to, you get rid of dead cells, right? You start to. Yeah. And cure. then, yeah, it's like the cells start to clean out a lot of the trash and like, I'm sure there's a more scientific way, but like clean a lot of trash and get rid of dead cells. And then, cause like dead cells can have an effect on the outlying cell, like the cells around it. Mm -hmm. And then apoptosis is like a bigger scale of that. Hipoptosis? Apoptosis. I was going to say, I've heard, I heard that album. Is it, is it apoptosis? That sounds like a, uh, have you heard that new apoptosis? It's a pop tart. 
Yeah, apoptosis. Let's see what it says. Yeah, uh, death of cells, which occurs as a normal and controlled part of an organism's growth and development. So, so this is like cells that need to die start to die, and you get rid yeah, of those like two. Your organs start to repair. Like it's like your organs start to repair themselves. Like it's it's like a yeah, it's like a clean like a. I can I saw some like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she talked about it with like. So many days of fasting, your body goes into it and basically like it will start to repair like 40% or something of your organs. Mm. So that's something like I like to do. Like uh, if I do it now, it'd be about four times a year or do that three day fast. Then I take nicotine, ribomycin. Nicotine? Uh, Like nicotine? No. uh, Was that one thing? Nicotine, ribomycin? Oh. That's all one thing? Let's look at, let me look it up. I might butchering ribomycin. Uh, so that's where my supplement game lacks. I think my main goal was to up my nutrition to get my nutrition on par where it's like, I'm getting the daily recommended, not even the daily recommended, but like what these companies in their own personal research has determined. Yeah. And that might be a lot of it has to do. They want you to, to consume their product. So they're telling you to take more than you actually need. But that's fine with me. I want to make sure my bases are covered. Yeah. So actually, I'm sorry. It's NAD. Okay, uh, I've heard that. Yeah. Nic- nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. I've heard of NAD. Yeah. So it's NAD is what I take. So you're concerned about like longevity. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like that's like a big part of it is like you need to care about right now. We also need to care about in the future. Mm-hmm. And so, but... I think probably what I need to work on now is the stuff right now, but like I've taken like a lot of this stuff that's going to help me down the road and like general upkeep, uh, vitamin D. I started taking that like vitamin B12 or like vitamin B complex. That's what I take. Yeah. Um, like a fish oil. Well, I take krill oil. I take krill. I take a krill yeah, oil too. Yeah. It's supposed to be more bioavailable. Yeah. And then I think I take a, a plant. The reason why I asked you if your plant once uh, was nasty was I got one that's got a, it might be, it's not athletic greens, but it's got a lot of these like superfood like type greens in it. But it's like this rice capsule. And it's like the grossest thing ever. Really? Yeah. But um, but yeah. I I basically take all that. Um I eventually want to get back into uh like I want to do keto again. Cause I feel like my body responds to it. Really? Yeah. I've like just that that pure like the the fat like fuel source. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like the best I've ever felt is doing. That. I don't know if I've ever done it effectively. Mm-hmm. I did it for about five to six months. And I mean, after the first month, it was like effortless. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It was, that's like one of like a long, like you had your routine and yeah. you knew what you would eat. You'd eat the same things. Yeah. That's what I have to get in. And I've tried to talk to Sarah about it because yeah. Being in a relationship makes that harder because now you've got to think about some other person. But she and I have basically agreed that like, if it's, if what I need is to decouple food yeah, to where we're, we're not eating together or the same things, except on special occasions, if yeah. that's what I need, that she's cool with that. So yeah. that's going to be important. To me. See, I heard like people always say like, it's like not long-term to do keto. And I only did it for like five or six months. Yeah, it's like a it's like a fad diet, something you do for a little but, while. But for me, the only shortcomings weren't that I couldn't find food to eat when I went out to eat, or that I couldn't eat things 
Cause I got to the point to where I was riding when I was doing the bike riding and working out all the time, you know, I was eating almost a hundred grams of carbs, which for a lot of people, that's, that's like a good thing to work down to. But when you're on keto, that's a lot of carbs. Yeah. I think you're supposed to keep it under 30. Yeah. But I was like, but I would like, by the time like my body stored it, I was using it by working out a lot. And it was. You were also supplementing with ketones too, right? No. No, no you weren't no. really. Oh, really? Huh? No. And, um, you know, and, and I would eat, you know, say one day I'd eat 80 grams of carbs and I wouldn't go out of ketosis. So you were peeing my, on the strips and stuff. Yeah, and- my body would like, body would use it and and, and move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it wouldn't knock you out of fat burning mode. You no, know, because you'd burn it so quickly. Yeah, and, and, I, and I always did it in a like, I always try to do it consciously. Of like, I know that if I eat this for dinner, like if I had dessert at dinner, and then woke up the next day and didn't do anything, my body was just going to like have this glycogen or whatever that wasn't glucose that wasn't going to be used mm-hmm. but if i ate it for say lunch and then immediately after i got off work i did a 20 mile bike ride mm-hmm. well then i was good yeah and i think that's the hardest thing was like at lunch of like working people going out to eat and like you're eating with people it's like that was the hardest time but then over time you develop okay i'll just get this you know you, you figure out what you're going to eat and i think the the only downside to keto that was really why I didn't continue it other than just laziness <laughs> for me was I didn't really spend a lot of time trying to learn how to cook things. And I think that was probably the biggest downfall. but this, like I did it for a while over the summer, you know, for about a month and you now my cooking game and I, f- I found a lot of really good recipes. What are you eating? Like, what are you cooking? Um, cause I'll tell you what's hard for me and this is, sh- this is shameful and I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, yeah. but my mom, Great cook, whatever. Yeah. But coming up for me, condiments were a big thing. Yeah. They so you were, find were, condiments that can work. Really? Or you can make I know them. mayo. Like, so mayo. And so I was able to even create like um, a Chick-fil-A sauce, mm. which was phenomenal when I found that out. Because I just took, uh, you take mayo, mustard. Um, I didn't use, they, they say you do use honey because you're supposed to make a honey mustard with mayo. I love, I've, I've made a mayo mustard honey. The sauce yeah. and it's one of my favorites. So I just left out the 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 mayo. Um, well, mayo it, is or no, I, I'm sorry, I just left out the honey. So it was it was mayo, mustard, and then I think you had barbecue sauce, and then I can't remember if you had ketchup or not. Yeah, be basically, careful. I, basically, both of those have lots of we'll carbs. See, we'll see you get the uh, the sugar free, um, but then you but, but then you also mix it in. Yeah, That's so really in. smart, Dave. Yeah, but then you also but then there's then it goes further than that. Where you have to be sure that you're getting the right sweetener because some sweeteners are actually higher on the glycemic index than sugar. Mm-hmm. So it can actually spike it more. And so you have to get really, really conscious of it. What were you using? Stevia mostly? No, I was using uh, erythritol. 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 Yeah. It's like a drop. No. Well, I think you can get a drop, but it's granular. I like granular better. Yeah. Now, the, 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 the problem that I found with erythritol was that it doesn't dissolve like sugar does. Really? Or at least, because my understanding of it is your body can't break it down. Which is good. So you poop it out. So you get the sweetness and you pee or poop it out. Yeah. But with, but when I would make stuff with it, you could tell that it didn't dissolve. Like, I feel like with sugar, it dissolves. Mm-hmm. 
and it just becomes like sweetness in it. So there was like granular, granular yeah. sweet. Yeah. I or think it had I'd like this okay aftertaste. It, no, and it, it wasn't bad at all. Like it wasn't bad at all. But I think that's where one of the benefits of the drops would be. Mm, I see. Yeah. I see. Because it would mix in there. So do you listen to, I know you are a fan of Tom Segura. Mm. I love your mom's house. Yeah. Do you listen to Two Bears, One Cave? Is that with? Burt Kreischer. So no, I have like one episode or two. They're about to do a uh, weight loss January. Mm. See, I want to do that. You want to do it with me? Yeah. I'll, I'll do it with you. Let's get people to do it. For sure. I tell you who we need to try to get on it. Yeah. We just need to get all of our friends. But yeah, we, we well, so. But Casey and Chris, I think, would both really benefit from it. And they're like me, dude. Like, I need Let's leave Jake Stratton out because he's really good at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want Jake to be there because I, I want him to influence. I want him to be there motivating me. Yeah. But Jake, Jake's hands are full right now. Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, but look, we've been going for two hours and 30 minutes. This is a great podcast. Let's wrap it up and we'll just keep talking. Yeah. I don't, do you it. don't need to leave for any yeah, reason no. or anything like that. Dude, thank you for making this for me. I appreciate you. Yeah. I love you. It was you. fun. It was appreciate fun. Me, yeah. It fun? Yeah. <laughs> we, well, let's just do it again soon. Yeah, we'll do it again. Absolutely. Later, man. Yeah, see you. ladies and gentlemen that's the show i hope you appreciated my conversation with dave as much as i did you know sometimes i think about how privileged i am to really get to sit down and talk to people like this it's really intimate face-to-face eye contact the whole time or in each other's ears because of the headphones like it's amazing and i appreciate it so much and i loved talking to dave he's such a smart guy he's such a thoughtful guy and he's just such a great friend and he has been for such a long time I can't wait to come back and listen to this 20 years from now. It's going to be awesome. Once again, I'd like to ask if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show, leave us a review. And if you feel inclined, head over to justfriendspod.com, subscribe to the show, bring a friend with you, check out the merch. And if you're really feeling frisky, use the link to head over to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts, and think about becoming a patron. Guys, like I said, this is going to be the last episode that I put out for a couple of weeks. Short hiatus. I've still got interviews booked in the next few weeks. So hopefully going into the new year, I'll have plenty of new material with some really cool guests. Until I see you again, I hope you all have a fantastic Christmas. I hope you stay safe. Enjoy the time that you get to spend with your loved ones. Maybe it's a video call. You know, maybe it's a truncated group of individuals. It doesn't matter. It's precious. Enjoy it. And I'll see you all again next year for another exciting episode of Just Friends. Until then, take care of yourselves. I love you all. Bye. Bye.